Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Okay, here we go again. <laughs> Another exciting week here at Action Radio. In fact, I already have my uh, uh, my favorite new live chat person, uh, Cyanide77, uh, joining us from the Netherlands. And so we are international, and we've got uh, new contacts in New Zealand, as I have said. We're still waiting for that to uh, uh, develop, and I'll give you more details as I can. Uh, we have our, our friends in Canada and Australia. And I've got a, a connection in England. I'm looking at getting reports in all those places. And so this is truly a, a worldwide revolution of freedom of people having the ability um, for the first time ever, really, I think, to actually write legislation, get it directly to their own governments, and then have people write the laws that they consent to be governed by. That's what we do here. Um, there's a lot of other stuff we do here on the show. I mean, the show is entertaining. It's, it's historical. Uh, it's very informative. And it's a chance. It's my playroom. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's too bad. So, I, like I said, I'm hoping to get signed at 77 again to, to uh, call us on Skype. I don't think that's going to happen, though. <laughs> it's too bad. Well, you know, uh, let me, let, he's listening right now. So, why don't you let your boss call in? Let's get, let's get your boss involved as well. You know, give him some publicity. Give him, a, like, a worldwide marketing thing. I don't care. It could be fun. So anyway, uh, I'm, I'm pretty open here. I'm the boss here, so I can do whatever I want. Anyway, so uh, I always like to have different folks, uh, especially other countries, call in, especially a place like the Netherlands right now that's basically under siege from leftist wackos who think that farming is a bad thing. They're against food. <laughs> they think that nitrogen is dangerous, even though it uh, occupies 72% of our atmosphere. Uh, there's a lot of craziness in the world today. In fact, I have uh, um, basically a psychological, uh, what is it, a PSYOP, I guess it's called, a psychological operation I want to pull against the, the Democrats. I'm, I'm hoping to encourage um, Donald Trump and his campaign to demand that the Democrats apologize for uh, segregation and apologize for uh, slavery and apologize for the Civil War, the Confederacy, uh, for the KKK, apologize for uh, filibustering the Civil Rights Act and apologize for, uh, you know, all their imagined racism when they're the biggest racist in the country. So that's going to be interesting. I also want to see if I can get a bunch of uh, uh, Demo- uh, Republican folks and uh, conservative journalists to demand that uh, Democrats and Democrat leaders uh, explain how global warming works, explain how climate change works, explain how CO2 uh, actually uh, causes the, the temperature of the earth to rise. Now, they can't do it because, A, they don't know. <laughs> what if, will we trust the science? I said, well, do you know the science? If you don't know the science, how do you know if you can trust it? You know, we look at the science on uh, their science on, on COVID. A million people died. Oh, it's great science. <laughs> we had a lot better science. You know, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, things that worked. That was our science. You know, and our proof is the people who are still here as opposed to their science when people died. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll stack my science against their science anytime. But uh, it should be very interesting to see uh, what happens uh, in the continued debate. So I, I got a couple of psychological operations. I, I love this kind of stuff. I really do. I was going to have... Um, if I had my way, if I was in charge of the Republican Party, I was going to have uh, uh, people on the border. You know, when all of Brandon's illegals crossed, I, they were going to hand out cards. You know, don't get too comfortable. Trump's coming back. <laughs> and it would have been in, in like five different languages, you know, Spanish, uh, Iranian. You know, I guess that's Farsi. Uh, what else would be a good, good language? Arabic, <laughs> Chinese, you know, and all the other places where people are, are, are coming from. Um, but that's, uh, you know, maybe Nigerian. I don't know. Who knows? But uh, actually, we got a lot of legal Nigerians. It's kind of funny. We got more people. Oh, 
oh, he's, le- he's leaving. He comes back. <laughs> so if you want to know what, where I'm getting all this stuff on live chat, just go to live chat. So if you're listening live uh, and you look at the bottom of your screen, there should be a live chat um, page there. And so you can go to that, get yourself a free account, you sign in, and you can type in. You can join, you know, uh, Cyanide77 from the Netherlands. Call, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to get folks from all over. You know, when we get, when as the show gets bigger and bigger, and we get more folks internationally, this is gonna, live chat's going to take on a life of its own. It's going to be live, <laughs> live chat. Okay, so I've got a bunch of things to do today. Today is going to be very special. So I have the first hour um, with you myself. The the second hour is with Jonathan Mosley, uh, who's a criminal defense attorney. He's our legal reporter, brilliant man, has way too much experience in government for his own good, actually, um, but he can report on everything, and he has a bunch of things to talk about. The third hour is going to be really quite special. Um, we're, we've got a person who's going to talk about uh, transgender in a way that's very personal, and so we have a mystery guest. I'm not even going to ask their name. Uh, they may give a first name. You know, that's not really important. What's important, though, is the story. Now, for anybody that's listened to the show, you know that I think that transgender is a myth, that there are men and women, that, um, that what they're doing to kids is horrible, that it should not happen. You know, this is not something you should do. I don't think it's something you should do, personally. Uh, but I think if you, if you are going to do it, and I wouldn't stop people, that you have to at least be an adult. Uh, so, so 18 minimum. Um, before you can consent to something like this. And even then, fully informed. We need all kinds of full and, you know, fully informed information. Uh, I learned when I had uh, my friends that were talking about breast implants and the dangers of those. There are no safe breast implants. They all leak. They all cause health problems. They all go bad, all of them, uh, one way or another, sooner or later. And so there's no such thing as a safe breast implant. And so uh, I didn't know that, obviously, <laughs> you know, but, um, but those are things that I've learned. And so as I learn more and more things from more and more people, um, I'm open. I still have my positions, and I'm not going to you know, shy away from my positions, but I am going to. But it doesn't mean I have to blast them to somebody um, that's, that's, that's willing to share information with us. And so that's how that's going to work. So it will be very, uh, very interesting to talk to a person who we'll find out. I'm like, I don't even know all the details yet myself. So I'm open to that as well. So again, it's going to be a busy day here on Action Radio. Uh, I've got uh, I've got a bunch of opening comments, and then I have a rather uh, large article on um, Waco. And so one of the things, you know me, I, I like to talk about what's not being talked about because what's not being talked about is far more important, I think, in many cases than what is being talked about. You know, there is a lot of talk about uh, you know DeSantis and Trump running for president against each other and the big conflict that's coming. Well, they've already scripted this. I think it's a big act. I think uh, Trump is running in 2024 and DeSantis is running in 2028. So all you folks that are waiting for a big conflict, just relax. It ain't happening. Everybody worked out the details. They don't want to conflict with each other. They're not stupid. <laughs> There's no reason for for DeSantis to uh, expend all his political capital and money going after Donald Trump only to lose to Donald Trump and divide the Republican Party and do all that. No. He needs to be governor, get some more governor experience, you know, get some more administrative experience, then go to Washington as president in 2028, maybe with Matt Gates as vice president. You know, so Matt Gates can be VP for eight years, then he can be president maybe. I don't know. You know, it just, it just depends on what happens. We've got to, but these folks are younger. They've got time. You know, no big rush right now. Me, I'll never be president because I was born in Canada, so I don't care. <laughs> I wouldn't run for the job anyway. I don't, I don't want any elected position. I mean, action radio is much more fun. I can do things here that no politician can do. I can say things here that no politician can say. I can be open, direct, honest, blunt. I can tell you where the problems are. I can propose the legislative solutions, and you can advocate them directly uh, to legislatures. And that includes around the world. You know, we've got an Australian Bill of Individual Rights. You know, I'd love to write something for the Netherlands. We, we need, uh, in fact, um, 
Let's see. If, in fact, sign at 77. If you want to email me directly, greg at writeyourlaws.com. That's greg at writeyourlaws.com. Uh, if you want to work on a bill um, for the Netherlands to, to stop this nonsense, you know, and say that uh, farming is good, <laughs> you know, that nitrogen is good, and that uh, nitrogen is not a pollutant, I'm happy to work with you and write that bill. And tell your boss, too, you know, so maybe we'll get your boss in on this as well, because everybody in Holland likes to eat. <laughs> in fact, a lot of the food that uh, the, the Dutch food that's produced uh, in the Netherlands, so I got three names. I got Dutch, I got Holland, I got the Netherlands. I'm going to get really confused. But the point is that um, this, is, this is a wonderful country. I've been there. I've been over a good portion of it. Um, I, I remember seeing little bike riding. They actually have bike riding traffic lights. It's really great. So uh, although one of my fun adventures in, in the Netherlands was when I went to the uh, – uh, the Heineken Brewery, and then went bike riding afterwards. <laughs> Big mistake. It was. I had a really interesting bike ride. I don't know where I went. I don't know how far I went. All I know is the same day I had just uh, I had sampled many wonderful Heinekens, and I was feeling pretty good. But I was a kid. I was in my twenties, so it was okay. All right. Um, so so that's what's going on there. So so that would be a great bill to write, and it might be a model. Uh, then I want to meet your your reporter Eva, who is the most gorgeous woman on the planet. Uh, Eva Vanderbroek, you know what's her name? Um, okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm answering my live chat person. Yes, I have been to to Holland. I went to Amsterdam. I stayed at Bob's Youth Hostel. This is back in 1982, and so Bob's Bob's the the, the youth hostels were hysterical. The the official ones were boring. Uh, they were all run by governments, and they were very formal. And you know, he had to leave by a certain time, be in by a certain time. Very, you know, and they were filled with like you know, 14 and 15 year olds. Uh, with, with a whole bunch of chaperones, you know, touring Europe. That was boring. I like to go to the private ones. That's where all the really cool people hang out. <laughs> you know, uh, especially in Amsterdam, there's plenty of, in those days, I don't know if it's still true today, but in those days, um, uh, hash was on the streets. <laughs> people actually cutting, cutting up little hash blocks on the street and, and selling stuff. And it was, uh, it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty interesting. Don't drink Heineken. Okay. <laughs> I don't drink Heineken anymore. I'm, I'm you know, but uh, I'll, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> so this is fun. We'll find out why I shouldn't drink. Okay, tell me why I shouldn't drink Heineken. I'm on the air. I can't read your posting right now. So like I said, I'm bouncing back and forth with my live chat person. The problem if you listen to my podcast is you're not getting the other half of the conversation. So I'm trying to include it here so that when, when you do listen to the podcast, uh, it'll make a lot more sense to you. But anyway, so I'm, I'm conversing with a person in the Netherlands right now live. And so he's at work. We've got to get the boss involved. And he's typing messages to us as I'm doing this show. Um, so it's really funny. But I want to work with the Netherlands. Uh, I want to meet your reporter, Eva. And I want to at least get her on the show. And I want to see what I can do to help the farmers um, in, in the Netherlands. And, and that will help all of us. We've got our own farm problems, too. Mostly China's buying our land. That's another story, too. Okay, so stories for the show today. Uh, I have a new article. Uh, it's in my Substack uh, column, gregpengelis.substack.com. Uh, and you will find... Uh, the latest one is the balance point of liberty. So when we wrote the, when Jen Clark and I wrote the uh, Australian Bill of Individual Rights, we, we tried to define liberty, and we actually came up with a graph that, that depicts where liberty is. So on the bottom of the scale, you've got uh, the, the, the horizontal axis has tyranny on the far left, of course, <laughs> you know, anarchy on the far right, right? Uh, and then we've got liberty, which is closer to the anarchy side. Uh, and then we've got the freedom axis is the vertical axis on the left. So as freedom rises, liberty increases. Liberty is for the overall. So, so where is liberty between tyranny and anarchy? Well, we actually graphically depicted it. Excuse me. It's about uh, 25% inside of anarchy. 
So if you look at the chart, uh, you'll have uh, tyranny is like 100% laws. Anarchy is 0% laws. The centrists are about 50% laws. They're right in the middle. Uh, between centrists and anarchy would be our founding, and that's where liberty exists. Uh, between the centrists and tyranny is where the uniparty, the Democrats and the Republicans exist. So if you can imagine you know, the bottom axis with four points to it, the far left is uh, tyranny. 25% in our, our political parties. Uh, in the middle are the centrists. Uh, then you've got liberty, uh, another 25% over. And then at the very far right, you've got anarchy, which would be Black Lives Matter, the Ku Klux Klan, Antifa, all the radical groups that are violent and uh, you know, basically anarchists. Uh, and, and what's interesting is if you think about the, the political spectrum as a circle, and you sort of wrap it around. So tyranny on the far left and anarchy on the far right, if you kind of bend it, that graph backwards, tyranny actually joins anarchy. And you'll find that uh, tyrants use anarchy to bring about tyranny. So there actually is a symbiotic relationship between anarchy and tyranny. Um, and that's how that works. Anyway, it's, it's all there. Uh, so to Greg Pangos, in fact, I'll even type it in here for my uh, person to take a look. So P-E-N-G-L-I-S.substack.com. Did I do that right? Anyway. So that's where you'll find my, my Substack article. So Netherlands contact Cyanide 77. If you get a chance to read that, maybe after work, <laughs> I'd be interested in what you think. Um, in fact, I'm interested in what anybody thinks who might want to comment. So that's available to you at gregpenglis.substack.com. Uh, I also have my other articles there, uh, The Nation of Government, um, the, the COVID chart that you can't see anymore, uh, and a bunch of other things, including a seven-part series on a completely new model for education. So I've been busy. So I'm taking some of my older, older articles, uh, some new articles, um, kind of mixing everything in um, with, with my Substack because uh, it's current and it's, it's, um, it's, it's fun. It's mine. <laughs> I don't have an editor. I don't have a publisher. I don't have to talk to anybody about doing it. Okay, next topic of the conversation here this morning, daylight savings time. Now, uh, Europe, do you guys hear daylight savings time? Do you, do you send your clocks back and... Um, and forward, they, they go the spring forward, fall back. So we're going to turn our clocks forward next Sunday by an hour. And then next fall, hopefully not, but usually we turn them back. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay. So Sinai says he, he works at a power company building a network infrastructure to all the different power stations for controlling and monitoring. So you do have daylight savings. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, are you guys, uh, oh, third week, March, November. Okay. So we're going to do it the second week. So we're going to get daylight savings time ahead of time. Uh, Greenwich Mean Time doesn't change. So you can all, if you, around the world, if you're looking at time zones, um, that's how that goes. Yeah, March and November, same with us. This is nuts. Now, Florida, Florida actually passed, oh, there's a train. I hear a train in the distance. Uh, as you know, we have train problems in the United States right now. We have Ohio has had two derailments, one toxic mess a month ago, and one, I think, yesterday that's uh, just a regular you know, train derailment. I guess most of the cars were empty. And so they were going back for more chemicals. Um, but uh, that's what's happening there. Anyway, trains coming by. I'm going to start taking note of the time. Uh, obviously, I can't visit this one. But I want to make a video of our train tracks, of a train going by, of the track kind of bobbing up and down. And I want to see what's, what's happening there. So this idea of daylight savings, uh, I like permanent daylight savings. I don't want to go back to standard time. I like the extra daylight in the evening. It makes more sense. And people are like, well, the school kids, they want daylight when they go to school. Well, start school later. The idea that school starts at 7 and people work at 9 is nuts. <laughs> you know, put them closer together. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. So uh, 
uh, I'm sort of bouncing back. So Cyanide says Arizona does not do daylight savings. No, they don't. Uh, there's a couple of states that don't change. So Arizona does not change their time. So the idea this has to go to Congress is kind of unusual that, well, Congress has to approve, approve permanent daylight savings time for the nation. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> you know, although the Constitution does provide <clears throat> four standards for interstate commerce for things for Congress to do, I don't think time is necessarily one of those things, especially in the computer age. So I would argue that Florida, which has already passed permanent daylight savings time, uh, should be allowed to move the clocks ahead. And when Congress says you have to turn them back, we basically say pound sand. Screw you. We're leaving at daylight savings time. What are you going to do about it? Okay, what are you going to do? Come here and start changing all our, our, our phones and watches and, and timepieces? You know, you must comply. Yeah, screw you. No, we're not going to comply. So the best thing for us to do in Florida is to switch to daylight savings time and stay there. <laughs> stay there. Don't turn back. Don't go back when the clocks, you know, they announce in the fall. So we gotta, i got to talk to uh, Governor DeSantis and see what we can do about this. Because it's stupid to go back and forth. It really is. Uh, in fact, it's, it's kind of ironic that it was March 2nd of, of 2020 when I was doing a show. Initially, I thought, of, you know, about daylight savings time. But I also kind of tucked in, that, you know, because there were the growing problems with uh, Dr. Fascist and his, his uh, incredible push for vaccines for a virus that not many people even knew that much about yet. And actually, it was back in February. And February 25th, we had uh, Bill Gertz on when he talked about the Wuhan lab. So I knew about it. February of 2020, we talked about the Wuhan lab. The reason I don't, I don't talk about the Wuhan lab now is it's a distraction. We all know, and we're finding out more and more, that the De- Department of Defense and the NIH and the Communist, uh, the CCP, the Communist Party of China, pretty much collaborated on, uh, on creating the Wuhan, on creating the, the COVID virus and the vaccine, most likely, uh, and then decided on, on their schedule for releasing and how they were going to do it. So that's, that's pretty much, I think, preordained. So I don't talk a lot about Wuhan. Wuhan's a distraction. The real thing we should be talking about is why the Department of Defense and the Bioweapons Department was so involved in creating COVID and, uh, and the vaccine. In fact, I was listening to Dr. Fleming last night, I believe it was, um, who talked about um, the fact that uh, they have uh, drugs that actually cure this, that uh, stop, uh, stop COVID from binding to the cells and spiking proteins and stop the, the vaccine from doing all their damage, the non-vaccine. Um, and so that's kind of interesting, too. A little scattered this morning because I'm bouncing back and forth on a, uh, a live chat conversation. But, you know, I, I can multitask. Hopefully you can, too. So daylight savings time. So back to that story. So what happened was February 25th, uh, we had Bill Gertz. February 27th, I wrote a bill saying that Congress can spend no more than half their COVID money on vaccines. The other half had to, had to be spent on early treatments because early treatments worked. And we declared that in February. Uh, March 2nd, we said that the, the COVID government response is a complete and total hoax. that COVID is curable. It is treatable. There's no reason for any of this. We, we had the DDRL study out of Marseille, France. Uh, shortly thereafter, I met Dr. Zelenko, had his protocol. So we all knew. And of course, that's when I got censored and restricted. And that's when you stopped hearing about Blog Talk Radio uh, over the mass media. And our, our thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were uh, you know, checking in every day all of a sudden weren't there. <laughs> You know, and so we've been uh, trying to break, break through that censorship ever since. So that's what's going on there. All right. So let me get some other um, daylight saving permanent. I haven't covered that. Uh, Trump speech. Oh, yeah, Trump speech. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw it. I posted on, on many of my Facebook pages, especially the Trump 2024 uh, campaign page here at Action Radio, as I hope to join the Trump campaign and supply them with the citizen legislation and the great ideas that I think will push them over the top. The, uh, the speech was brilliant. 
And if you get a chance to listen to it, it really was brilliant. Uh, it was new stuff. There were some things in there that I hadn't heard before. And so I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Trump gets a lot stronger and stops telling some of the old stories and let's start getting going with the new stuff. First thing I wanted to do is to demand that the Democrats apologize for segregation, you know, and the Ku Klux Klan, <laughs> the KKK, uh, and the filibuster of the Civil Rights Act. And if he wants to take back to uh, um, the, the uh, Confederacy and slavery and the Civil War, that's fine with me, too. But he really needs to demand that the Democrats apologize for this. And he should carry that all the way through the campaign and at every campaign appearance. You know, everywhere he goes, you should say, hey, Democrats, you haven't apologized for uh, segregation yet. What's your problem? <laughs> you know, and put it on them. And they'll say, oh, the Republicans are the racists. Oh, really? <laughs> and then the historical record can come out. So that's, that's a tactic. That's a, that's a psyop. That's a psychological operation. Um, I hope they engage in. Um, a couple more things here. The rest of this hour, I've got, uh, I've got two big issues. One is the civil lawsuits are starting on, on transgendering. I'm not quite sure what it's called. Uh, and the other course is Waco. Now, for those who don't know, uh, in fact, uh, Sinai 77, I'd be curious what, to, what you remember about the Waco uh, massacre. And that's what I call it. It was the government massacre at Waco where the government, the ATF, the FBI, who knows who else, you know, the government mercenaries went in and basically uh, assassinated uh, a whole community. And they did this uh, without due process, without conviction, without trial, uh, with, with minimal investigation. Uh, they called it Operation Showtime. Most people forget that. They had tanks. They had poison gas. They had high winds. They had everything that they could um, to, to put the poison gas in, start the fires, have these people basically either smoke or burn to death. Uh, and then they bulldoze their bodies into the ground so that uh, the evidence would be buried along with them. And it's never been examined. It's never been uh, fully investigated. And the, the perpetrators of this mass murder uh, are still around. Bill Clinton. Uh, Janet Reno's not. She died. Um, but uh, the FBI people that were there, the ATF people that were there, they're probably division heads now. They probably got promotions. So I, I'm, I've been trying to find who these, some of these people are. And it's, you, it's hard to find. You know, I, Chris Ray, I actually investigated him. He was a little young. He was not part of this a few years ago. But I bet you Merrick Garland was. I bet you Merrick Garland was right there. He was probably in a tank with the goggles on saying, burn him, baby. You know, that wouldn't surprise me. You know, Mr. FBI, KGB, Gestapo leader of the, of the <clears throat> so-called Justice Department. I don't think much of Merrick Garland. You want to come get me? You know where to find me. I'm here. Okay. You know, but as I always tell the FBI, if you call me in advance, we can make coffee. We can sit around. We can talk. Or you can do it the way you usually do. Break down my door, carry, you know, people off and all that kind of stuff. Uh, which, of course, of course, is blatantly illegal and unconstitutional, but they seem to want to do that anyway. Um, so that's what's going on there. So it should be very interesting to talk about this because, you know, that was the point that changed everything for me. You know, the point that changed my belief in government as government could do anything was when I learned about the Holocaust back in when I was 10 years old in Australia. And this wonderful special called The World at War came out, narrated by Laurence Olivier, and they had Holocaust survivors because this was back in the mid-60s when this special came out. And so it was uh, probably, yeah, actually maybe late 60s, 67, 68, 69, somewhere in there, uh, maybe even 1970. Um, but I know it came out in Australia, and so I know this is an older thing. So this would have been 45, so about 25 years after World War II. So a lot of people are still alive. They're not now, but because uh, they were older then. Um, but uh, 25 years after the war, they had a lot of people to interview who were there. Uh, and so it, it was interesting. Once you realize that a nation can, can do something as barbaric as a Holocaust, you, I mean, not a nation, but a government, because uh, people didn't do it. The government did it. And once you realize that, you realize governments can do anything. So the idea that we have, you know, a couple hundred folks locked up in, in the D.C. Gulag jail 
uh, for simply being in the Capitol uh, years ago, um, it, you know, it, it should be no surprise to people that uh, when the government chooses the government, when the government takes over the government, you know, when the government rejects the, the legitimate victor, Donald Trump, uh, who believes in America first, believes in the American people, believes in, you know, you know, mom, apple pie, God, family, you know, all that kind of stuff. Our nation, believe, the American dream believes in all that stuff. And they replace it with a complete total moron uh, who is now uh, an absolute communist dictator backed up by a secret government of Obama, Clinton, you know, who knows who else. Of course, it can happen here. It did. OK, so so to deny that we've had a coup, that we have an illegal government, it's just it's just silly because it's already happened. So to say, well, there's no evidence that uh, the election was stolen. Yeah, there is. Brandon's in the White House. <laughs> that, that, that's prima facie evidence uh, right there, because there's no way that Brandon could beat Trump in a fair election. That's impossible. In fact, Brandon couldn't beat anybody in a national election. His poll ratings were always really low. Really, and and that, that was when he was you know, actually mentally capable of doing stuff. So even at his most popular, his most coherent, his most mentally capable, he still sucked in the polls and never won a primary, as far as I know, uh, when he ran for national office. So the, you know, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Netherlands. Yeah. So uh, he, see, everybody knows this stuff around the world. We forget how fast our news travels around the world. Uh, this is actually kind of interesting getting my, uh, my instant feedback here. So Sinai 77, you're, you're kind of like uh, my, my European uh, foreign correspondent. <laughs> So this is, keep typing. This is kind of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've called him Brandon. I do not say Biden administration, except to illustrate that I do not say Biden administration. I do not say President Biden. To me, if you say that, you're acknowledging that the coup was legitimate, and I refuse to do that. You know, until my last breath, I'll say Brandon's not the president. <laughs> He's not. He's a faker. He's an imposter. He's playing at being president, and all these enablers out there are letting him, and that's the problem. All right, so we got that. Uh, so I got Waco. I've got uh, civil lawsuits on transgender stuff. Let me take a little break right now. And then what I do when I come back is I will be uh, talking about this. There's two things I want to uh, go over. There's one article on the transgender case, and there's another article on the timeline of Waco. I'm, I probably won't finish the timeline on Waco, but I want to keep doing that uh, all the way up through April 19th, which is when, uh, when the final uh, gassing, burning, assassinations, murders, uh, and the genocide – well, it wasn't the genocide. It was a massacre. The massacre occurred, and then shortly thereafter – Bill Clinton gets on the, the national TV and says, we've got to heal. We've got to bury the body so that we can recover. We'll feel better about it. He's just burying the evidence, right? Bill, I don't do a good Bill Clinton. <laughs> I, I do a lot of impressions. Mm, Yoda's not bad. I can do Yoda. Mm. But Bill Clinton, yeah, I can't do Bill very well, but I'll try. I should work on my Bill Clinton. You know who was good at doing Bill Clinton was Rush Limbaugh. Excellent doing Bill Clinton. All right. Break time. Play a couple things for you uh, now, and then it's now 7.26 here in Central Time in Florida, uh, on the Gulf Coast, on the, in the Panhandle, the northwest corner of Florida, broadcasting to the world, and I'll be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. 
You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Gravecare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Okay, I was just going over some of our, our conversation here. In fact, I'm asking uh, uh, 
cyanide 77 that it's spelled s-c-i-e-n-i-d-e but it pronounces it cyanide which is a poison here so i don't know how that translates into uh, into dutch but anyway so there, there's a dutch reporter who i saw in tucker carlson her name is eva and i can never pronounce her last name she is the most gorgeous woman on the planet uh, absolutely stunning and she's brilliant too it's a combination so i'd love to get her on the show but uh <laughs> let me try that again <laughs> i don't speak dutch i'm sorry i don't I'll, let me try it again Vladingebruk. <laughs> Did I get that right? <laughs> He'll bite me in a minute. He's probably laughing. <laughs> so, like I said, I'm in direct contact with, uh, with a gentleman over in the Netherlands right now. He's on live chat. Uh, and, again, if, you, if you're catching the podcast, you're missing some of the fun. So you really need to listen live because this, <laughs> this is some of the stuff that goes on here. All right, serious moment for, for a little bit here. There's, there's two, uh, two big issues we're going to be covering um, today. Uh, the, the, shortly in this hour, I'll be covering the Waco, the timeline. I actually have a timeline. Uh, of events, and we're gonna. I'll get as far as I can. Uh, I kind of like to do something every day on Waco up through uh, the final, uh, the final uh, massacre, uh, just because I, this, it, it made such an impression that our government could actually do this, uh, and that there'd be no repercussions for it. And to this day, nobody in the government has been held to account for the massacre at Waco. That to me is shocking and stunning. Uh, but what once that happened, and there were no repercussions from that, I realized that this government. The U.S. government could do anything they wanted. They could kill any amount of people and that nobody uh, was going to do anything. Congress didn't do anything. You know, the, uh, the so-called Justice Department, the states didn't haul their, their butts in. Texas didn't do anything, as far as I know. I mean, I'll check it out, but I don't think anything really happened. People just said, oh, well, they're a bunch of you know, religious wackos, so it's okay. That is a disgusting position to take. That is, there is no, that's unconscionable, literally unconscionable. Something else that I think is unconscionable is the, the mutilation and drug abuse of children to, quote, you know, change their gender under, quote, gender-affirming care. Uh, it's not gender-affirming. To me, it's uh, basically it's gender mutilation. Uh, and so it's a really horrible thing. Uh, and again, we've got somebody in the third hour. We're going to talk about transgender in a, you know, in a very different way than I'm talking now because I want to find out. Uh, and I'll see if that modifies my position. I may not change my positions, but also, to be fair, I'm not going to stridently advocate them, condemn, or in any way make my guests feel uncomfortable because they really want the information. And so that's how we do things. That's how I do things on the show. I'll take strong positions when it's time to take strong positions, and I will be investigative, informative, and everything else when it's time to do that. All right. So there's an article in the Patriot Post, and so it's called America's News Digest of the Patriot Post. The sex change lawsuits begin. And the subheading, Chloe Cole, 18 years old, is suing the medical professionals and facilities that aided and abetted her gender, quote, transition as a minor. So she's probably the, the, the greatest spokesperson right now for, for this. Uh, you know, she's, her voice is deeper. She's had the testosterone treatments, um, breast amputated. You know, it's, it's really, you know, it's not like really breakfast conversation, you know, when you're listening to the show, but it's critical. And we do have to talk about this. And so what's going on with children is criminal. You know, if you did this in a, in a prison, <laughs> you know, it would be, it would be uh, an abomination. But if you do it, if the leftists do it, uh, and I think, you know, the, this is never medically necessary. Never. Now, do people choose this? So this is the part I have, I'm not quite resolved on yet. If people choose this as adults, would I stop it? I, I try to influence them not to. Uh, I wouldn't make it illegal. But, I, you know, there's got to be some guidelines, and you have to have full informed consent. I mean, fully informed consent. You know, and I'm not sure what, what, what would be a good procedure for this. I certainly wouldn't have taxpayer money go for it. Uh, certainly would be something you could do in prison. Um, the whole idea of, of men, you know, trying to be fake women 
so they can compete in sports and win prizes and trophies and get in the historical records uh, when they're men is, is absurd. It's laughable. And yet the folks are getting away with it. Was it Michael Thomas, the swimmer, you know, on, I think it's, is it the Yale or I think it's the University of Pennsylvania swim team. He's on the women. He is on the women's swim team. So my solution is, okay, fine. Let's, let's do a bikini shoot, you know, with, with him and, and all the women. Uh, that embarrassed him enough, certainly embarrassed them enough, that maybe we can shame him into not being such an ass, <laughs> for lack of a better term. So back to the Patriot Post. Uh, this was written recently. Let me see if I can find a date for you here. Yeah. Oh, come on, guys. Give me a date on the article. Ah, here we go, February 28th. So, what are you know, March 6th, so like just a, about a week ago. Chloe Cole, 18, is suing the medical professionals and facilities that aided and abetted her gender transition as a minor. Probably talk about this with uh, Johnson Mosley in the next hour, too. She says, I was 15 when you cut into my body, ripped out my breasts, and stitched me back up like I was your rag doll. You're on the wrong side of history and will always be remembered as child butchers. She's not pulling any punches here. This is, this is you know, she's speaking from the heart. And it's such a tragedy. But it, it's, it's, it's one of those strange things of human nature that it takes, uh, it, it takes a tragedy, it takes a victim to be the best spokesperson for it. You know, if other people speak about this, but then the same impact. Uh, she speaks about it, having been there, now it has impact. And that's, that's sad. But uh, she's making the best of a, of a really bad situation, I think. Article says, these are the powerful words of 18-year-old Chloe Cole, who was a victim of transgender madness. Cole was 13 when she started having troubles with her body, anxiety, depression, body dysmorphia. It's a strange word. I'm not sure. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Body, let me say it again, body dysmorphia. Let me spell it for you here. D-Y-S-M-O-R-P-H-I-A. Body dysmorphia. Speech difficulties and autism characteristics greatly contributed toward her seeking a fix for her troubles. She found, quote, answers on social media where, quote, transgender influencers led her to make a self-diagnosis. Her parents took her to Kaiser Gender Pathways Clinic in Oakland, California. Now, I used to live in Oakland, California. I also lived in, in San Leandro. And I lived a fair amount of time in the East Bay. Uh, San Francisco was fun when I first got to California, but it got a little crowded and a little crazy. Um, and it was very expensive. Uh, so it was easier to live in the East Bay uh, and work in the city. Anyway. So Kaiser, Kaiser is Kaiser Permanente. It's the big health plan. It started originally from Kaiser Aluminum, the same family. So Kaiser Aluminum led them to get into healthcare. Uh, they became Kaiser Permanente. And the idea that they never had this one, one you know, I was a participant. Uh, and I was in the Kaiser plan for a while. Uh, Kaiser Gender Pathways, that's new. So this is, this, that probably should be closed down. Because <laughs> this is probably something that should be done away with real fast. But they call it Kaiser Gender Pathways in Oakland, California. Where else, right? You know, you won't find this in, in some of the smarter, saner areas of the country. Article says the, quote, help that these medical professionals provided was the infamous, quote, gender affirmation method of dealing with Cole's struggles. Perhaps if a mental health professional had talked to Cole about her life and gotten to the bottom of her struggles, this story would have ended differently. Yeah. See, this is what we used to do. We used to talk to kids. You know, parents actually talk to kids. I talked to my daughter, you know, uh, there are different uh, teachers, maybe, you know, or at least we get them to guidance counselors who would provide good advice, not quote, gender affirming care. Uh, there are people you could trust, you know, church pastors, um, maybe extended family, you know, friends, parents of friends, you know, there are places that kids could go, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, girl lead, troop, troop leaders, you know, unless they're pedophiles. I'm just, sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, decent people. Decent people, decent adults that help kids out. 
you know, were places they could go. Ideally, the parents, uh, if they couldn't help, would at least take the kids to play to someone that could help. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to work, right? That's what you do when you have kids. You talk to them, and if, if what you're doing isn't helping, then you take them to somebody that can't help, okay? That's not, what happened. that's not what's happening now. Just the opposite. Uh, these gender affirmers, the, 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 basically the sex, the, the gender mutilation industry uh, is doing horrible things to children. Again, adults, you can make your own decisions. You have the right to make a wrong decision, okay? But you can't do it for kids. You just can't. We protect the kids. We get them to adulthood and hopefully give them enough lessons that they're on their own. There are things that we don't make illegal, um, but don't condone either. Just because something's legal doesn't mean it's condoned. Okay, I don't smoke marijuana. <laughs> I don't. I don't have any use for it. It's it's it's, it's smoking, disgusting, and uh, tried it once in college. Okay, twice in college, <laughs> didn't have any effects. So I, did, I thought you know, this is stupid. I'm not gonna do this, but I wouldn't make it illegal. Just because I don't do it doesn't mean other people don't want to do it. But you can't you can't be driving, <laughs> you know, when you're stoned any more than you can be driving when you're drunk. Although people do. So the difference between condoning and making something illegal is huge. We don't have to make everything illegal that we don't condone. Okay? However, there are certain things that we have to do to protect the kids. Gender, um, what they call, well, let's call it sex transition surgery and drugs should not be legal for children, period. You know, especially when most of these kids are going to grow, outgrow all this stuff anyway. You know, they say, well, we're trying to prevent suicides. Well, actually, you're causing them. That's another story, too. Okay. The help that these medical professionals provide was the infamous gender affirmation method of dealing with cold struggles. Perhaps, I think I read that. Here we go. Let me see if I can pick it up where I hadn't read it yet. Uh, perhaps if a mental health professional had talked to Cole about her life and gotten, her to the, gotten to the bottom of her struggles, this story would have ended differently. That did not happen. Cole was fast-tracked down the gender transition pipeline and at the age of 13 was put on puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. At 15, she was butchered. Her treatment continued until her 17th year. This is four years, right? When she started, when she started her detransitioning journey. See, the problem with transitioning is detransitioning, which you never had to do in the first place if you didn't quote transition, which you can't do anyway. This is a contradiction. You cannot change your sex. You can change your body. You can have surgery, you can take drugs, but you cannot change your sex. So the whole so we shouldn't even call it transition because it doesn't exist. Which is going to be fascinating to talk to the person in the third hour uh, about this whole topic. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, again, very blunt this hour, uh, very listening, you know, and compassionate the third hour, which I can do. All right. So it says. All right. So then it says Cole is on a mission. This is Chloe Cole is on a mission to bring awareness to what was done to her. At the public announcement of a lawsuit last week, Cole declared her reasons for fighting. Quote, unfortunately, I am no longer alone in my pain and suffering. That is, other kids and their parents have reached out to her with their stories. She continues, I am going forward in taking legal action because every second that goes by, more blood is spilled by the same individuals and medical centers that destroyed my body and childhood. Cole's lawyer is Harmie Dillon. Carmen Dillon, well-known San Francisco lawyer. I'm off article now. Um, she uh, ran for chair of the Republican Party along with uh, Mike Lindell. Hey, guess who got it? Ronna McDaniels, you know, Mitt Romney's niece. What a surprise. How does she get that yet another time in a row? See, the reason the Republicans don't fix the, uh, the 2020 election and have the, the Trump electors, the seven states that have Trump electors to have, uh, you know, kick uh, Brandon electors out and have Trump, you know, in the White House where he belongs is because they don't want him either. 
you know, the Republicans are just as bad as the Democrats. Let's not call them the Uniparty. So Cole's lawyer, Harmie Dillon, which is one of the good people, has had this to say about the suit. Chloe's family sought medical treatment for her at Kaiser. Instead of caring for her and providing medically competent diagnoses and treatment, they permanently disfigured her for profit. Let me say that again. Instead of caring for her and providing medically competent diagnosis and treatment, they permanently disfigured her for profit. Cole's lawsuit is the first of its kind. Robert Weisenberger, Weisenberger, an attorney who is one of Cole's representatives, believes that lawsuits would eliminate in a significant way the financial incentive to experiment on children in this way. See, if Dr. Mengele did this in a prisoner of war camp or a concentration camp, you'd, you'd, you'd call it a medical holocaust. Because it's done at Kaiser Permanente, you know, gender pathways clinic, you know, it's called uh, you know, gender affirming care. So the words change, but the actions don't. Still the same action. You still you still mutilate and destroying kids, and that can't be done. Okay, this is here we go. So he says, "Let me just start again." Robert Wiesenberger's quote says, "The lawsuits would eliminate in a significant way the financial incentive to experiment on children in this way, and it would reduce the financial viability of operating these types of facilities. And successful malpractice lawsuits can affect licensure of doctors." See. Liability, malpractice, liability, that, that's one of the keys to freedom. You cannot have freedom, uh, medical freedom, in a society that does not hold vaccine manufacturers liable for their products. You cannot have medical freedom in a country that will not have malpractice lawsuits for this gender mayhem. That's just how it works. Article says, this sentiment was shared by Dr. Stanley Goldfarb, G-O-L-D-F-A-R-B, board chair of Doe No Ham, do, oh, me, oh, start again, Greg. Do no harm. <laughs> How did I miss that one? Ah, do no harm. Uh, you know, I also pointed out these large organizations are extraordinarily sensitive to what lawyers tell them. That's because most of them are self-insured. So they have to put reserves down each year to cover any malpractice lawsuits that they may encounter. And if they had to now worry about the uh, trial, that might be 20 years out, for example, where they could be sued over not giving proper informed consent or not explaining the potential complications of these gender-related surgeries or medications, this would be a real chilling effect on any of these large institutions that house gender clinics. So I didn't know there were gender clinics. I didn't know this was, a, this was such a business. They have their own offices. Robert Wiesenberger, the person I talked about earlier, spelling W-E-I-S-E-N-B-U-R-G-E-R. That's one of Cole's attorneys. The other is Harmie Dillon, H-A-R-M-E-E-T, D-H-I-L-L-O-N. Uh, Stanley Goldfarb of Do No Harm, <laughs> D-O-N-O, H-A-R. I thought it was an Asian thing at first. <laughs> Sorry. I just... <sighs> we all have our moments here. A little humor and otherwise uh, serious topic. Okay, so that's how that goes. All right, so we've got a little bit more here, and then I'm going to uh, get on with my Waco article. Well, at least we'll start it. Sprays of regret, like Kohl's, are, as a, are a big part of the reason that the, the Travis Stock Center, that's oh, Tavistock, T-A-V-I-S-T-O-C-K, Tavistock Center, the UK's largest gender clinic, shut its doors. Good. I'll check out the, the UK uh, press on that. Tavistock had been employing the, quote, gender affirmation method of dealing with gender-confused children for a decade. But instead of taking warning, uh, taking warning uh, gender clinics across the United States continue with their ideological and financially beneficial butchery of gender-confused minors. So first of all, what kid 
doesn't, I never did actually. It's kind of interesting. I was a guy. I've always been a guy. I've always thought of myself as a guy. I've never had an identity issue ever. I had nationality issues because I grew up in three different countries. That's a different story. <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, as far as uh, male, female identity, oh, I, I've been a guy ever since I, could, I remember my first memory. Uh, and quite happy with it. Thank you. I mean, other problems, <laughs> you know, struggles, various things. You try living in three countries growing up. It's not easy especially when everything changes every few years uh, and you don't go back and you have to start all over again. So I had all kinds of issues, but I I got used to dealing with uh, a a variety of very complex issues that very few people, if anybody I knew, I knew had to deal with. Um, So I I didn't mind a crisis. I I got used to them. So I don't mind handling crisis. They're they're kind of, kind of my stock and trade (laughs) growing up. Okay. What's the next crisis? Where's, where's my challenge here? So you become very good at it. So uh, anyway, that's, that's uh, I think a strength. Uh, for anybody that's had a bunch of crises, a lot of people had a lot worse than me. <laughs> I just happen to be, you know, more than most. But uh, that, that's kind of where I put myself. All right. So this is butchery. I mean, I absolutely agree with that. And so let's see what happens. Uh, Cole, is, here we go. So Cole is the public face of these many children who are being manipulated and coerced into a life and a series of medical decisions that do irreparable harm. That's the key. These, these medical decisions do irreparable harm. You cannot fully transition back to what you were. When something is removed, it can never be replaced the way it was. People need to know that. Article says puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones have major side effects, and reproductive mutilation surgeries affect fertility and breastfeeding. Many minors who undergo these procedures end up regretting those decisions within five years. Well, of course they do. Surgery is permanent. Counseling, you have an issue? Get counseling. Most people, most kids, whatever their, their, their problems or confusions in teenage years, work it out. They either work it out themselves, work it out with friends, work it out with teachers, work it out with trusted adults, work it out somehow. They get involved. This is why it's so important for you to get kids involved in things. You know, the Christian schools have kids involved with God. Uh, kids can be involved in sports, can be involved in music, can be involved with theater, can be involved with uh, the chess club, uh, the debate society. It doesn't matter. Uh, National Honor Society, volunteer organizations, charities, 4-H club. I don't care what you're involved with with a kid. But the most important thing for kids is to belong to something, you know, something that they can be have in common with other kids and they can do. The last thing you want to do is let these vultures prey on these kids as individuals, separate them from their parents, separate them from their friends, separate them from the churches, separate them from the groups, separate them from all the things who could help them so they can be isolated and make bad decisions, and it's all for profit. Butchering kids for profit. How do these people live with themselves? Well, apparently they do very well because they're actually in favor of it, and they keep doing it. It's like the concentration camp guard that goes home to you know, family dinner, you know, hi, hon, you know, how was work? Oh, it was okay. And then goes the next day and goes and tortures people. People do that. You know, what, what do you think happened during wartime? Countries around the world, the people that work in the, the concentration camps and the torture chambers and things like that, you know, they go home to family dinner usually. <laughs> you know, they come back to work the next day. It's, it's just a job. That's how bad this is. How do you put yourself in a position where this is just a job? Okay, we'll get into the ATF how do they, and the FBI. How do they put themselves in a position where killing an entire community is just a day at the office? There's some really sick people out there. Uh, the rest of the article, perhaps because she is still so young, I think she's like 18 now, Chloe, uh, that makes Chloe Cole such an important and powerful voice. However, it causes this mother's heart to worry. She's still young and has a history of serious mental and emotional difficulties. The truly heinous mob of trans activists will violently threaten dissenters uh, as figures such as J.K. Rowling, remember Harry Potter, Matt Walsh, uh, and Libs of TikTok, TikTok know firsthand. 
Cole's bravery in, 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 in pursing this lawsuit is P-O-R-S-I. I think it's either pursuing or pushing. I think they goof there. Cole's bravery in, let's say, pursuing this lawsuit and defying the activist mob that seeks to silence her is remarkable. She is a David facing Goliath. We wish her well and pray for her continued strength through this ordeal so that through her courageous efforts, other children will be spared. And we're talking about children here. So, again, you want to find the article? It's on uh, Action Radio Legal Project. It's, on, I think, a couple of other places. Uh, it's in the Patriot Post. So go to the Patriot Post, America's News Digest, uh, and this would be February 28th. Uh, the article's by uh, Rainbow Mafia. <laughs> That's interesting. Also, Emmy Griffin. Who's Emmy Griffin? Let's see if I can get a little byline here. You can check the bottom of the article, see if she's there. Uh, that's who wrote it. So, yeah, it definitely was written by a woman. That's interesting. All right. So I could figure that out partway through. And she said, you know, I'm a, she was a mother. <laughs> got to figure that out. All right. So let's go. We've got about seven, eight minutes before Jonathan gets here. And I get to stop talking, which would be great. So here's an article we're going to visit. Um, but just, let, me, let me check live chat again. I've been, I'm sort of reading articles. Once I get involved in my articles, you know, it's, it's a little hard to uh, check back with stuff. So let's go info. Let's go back to live chat. So here's the Sinai 77, our, our Netherlands connection here. Uh, born as a man or a woman, you can never turn into a fully you know, working man or woman. Exactly. It's like buying the Mazda and buying a Ferrari body kit for it. <laughs> sure, it will look like a Ferrari from a distance until you get closer. Uh, I know he's being sarcastic, but it's actually a point. You, you can change the parts, but you can't change the DNA. You can remove things, but you can't change who a person is. You can't change what God gave you. You just can't. And if you think you can, uh, and you're doing this for profit, you're a pretty sick individual. Gender dysphoria is the official term, I believe. Yes, it is. Uh, but this is a very, very small percentage of people. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, to me, the only people that would really be affected by this are true hermaphrodites. These are people that are actually born with um, both male and female organs. And I'm not sure how the DNA works on that. Those are the people. Though that and it's a very small percentage of the population that actually need help counseling and possibly surgery, uh, drugs, things like that, okay, to, to get to what they are most. And I'm not familiar with this. It would be an interesting thing to, to check out. But as far as being transgender, the only truly transgender people are the people that actually have both male and female parts. And it does happen. It's very rare. But, and I'm not an expert on this by any stretch, but uh, um, that's what's happening. Now, gender dysphoria is the mental issue. Now, the mental issue happens all the time. I mean, how many boys play with dolls and girls play with trucks? And they go, oh, that's nice. You know, how many people raise their kids uh, to, to, to not be, either to take away gender completely and force their boys to play with dolls and force their girls to play with trucks? I don't know. That's wrong. But when kids want to experiment and do different things, you know, I had a daughter that, that you know, could shoot and, uh, you know, liked uh, hair barrettes. You know, uh, I, did, I never made a distinction. She could do what she wanted. You know, my kid, right? Uh, and so when you think, and, you know, and I, I would hope that most parents would do the same thing. Let your kids do what they want. Let them experiment. Let them try different things. You know, I mean, some of your kids are going to be gays. <laughs> you know, some of your kids are going to be lesbians. Some of your kids are going to be, you know, geeks. <laughs> you know, some of your kids are going to be total nerds. Some of your kids are going to be jocks and sports stars. Some of your kids are going to be fabulous actors. So uh, whatever it is, they, whatever they're going to become, they're going to become. You know, you just have to let them. But what you don't have, you don't have to do and what you shouldn't be doing is, is uh, chemically and surgically mutilating them. That's not your choice. You don't get to do that. Uh, kids need to be protected. And if, if parents you know, aren't going to protect their kids, then we as a society have to protect those kids until they're old enough to make their own mistakes. <laughs> this is basically how I feel. All right, just got a few minutes left, so I'll just give the introduction of this article. I'll probably get more of it tomorrow, although tomorrow I want to cover 
forcing the Democrats to apologize for uh, slavery, the Civil War, uh, segregation, the KKK, uh, the Confederacy, and everything else. And that, that's going to be a strategy. I'm actually hoping to have a friend of mine on. We'll talk about that later. All right, so there's a website I found called Crime Investigation, The Waco Siege, A Timeline of Tragedy. They actually tried to take sort of a, a moderate approach to this, you know, neither for nor against. I'm actually obviously against. I've been railing against this for a long time. Let me just read the article. And the article, I'm giving it your time. Uh, it's, it's from Crime Investigation, their section on cults and organizations. <laughs> well, that's interesting. It says, before the United States Federal Bureau of Investigation, that's the FBI, KGB, and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, that would be the ATF, KGB, decided to lay siege to their gun-filled compound uh, some 25 years ago. Of course, this is, all right, this is five years old because it's 30 years ago now. It says, the wider world knew nothing of David Koresh or his loyal branch Davidians. Once the standoff had reached its tragic uh, conclusion, however, the group for, or at least what was left of them, were headline news across the globe. Okay, it says the Waco siege. Well, I call it the government siege at Waco. The Waco siege, they call it that. And the subsequent fire that devastated the modest complex that Koresh and his followers called home saw the deaths of some 86 people in total, including 17 children. Okay, so this is government policy. It was government policy uh, to demonize these people, portray them as religious wackos, uh, give them all kinds of uh, accusations of, of uh, child molestation and abuse, say that they're, they're packing guns. You know, and, and uh, of course, there's no evidence. The, you know, the evidence—they didn't have the evidence of, of uh, you know, child molestation. They just did it anyway. They just accused them. Uh, did they have guns? Sure, they did, because they're worried the government was going to do exactly what the government did: kill them all. <laughs> of course, they had guns. They were not. They were an unpopular religious minority, which you can be in this country. You have the freedom in this country to be unpopular. You have the freedom in this country to be wrong. You have the freedom in this country to make the most horrendous of mistakes as an adult. You know, and have the most wacko of political theories. You know, you have the freedom to do all these things. Doesn't mean you're going to get anywhere. It doesn't mean people have to listen. But you do have the freedom to say what you want to say and be who you want to be. Until we, until you run up against statutory laws and things like that. As long as those laws are constitutional, it's really a mess. But uh, freedom is kind of a mess. That's what makes it so much fun. All right. So let me. So we talk about this. So so the government kills 86 people, including 17 children, and nobody has to uh, pay a price for that. They even have Waco hearings that were meaningless. It was really sad. Article says, since the flames engulfed the Mount Carmel Center, which they used to call the compound in the media, the Mount Carmel Center, in the center of, of Texan city of Waco on that fateful day, that would be April 19th, 1993, okay? A day that lives in infamy for me and a lot of other folks who realized that our government could kill 86 people, including 17 children, and not care. That's the problem. Articles, again, since the flames engulfed the Mount Carmel Center in the, center, in the central Texas city of Waco on that fateful day, debate has raged in all quarters about who was responsible for that horror and death. Some folk will tell you that Koresh, that's David Koresh, the leader, was a thoroughly evil cult leader who intentionally and cynically led his brainwashed minions to their untimely deaths, while others argue that he was merely a well-meaning and principled pastor and that the government strong-armed them into violence. Uh, I don't think either is true. I think the government sought to uh, kill them and make an example out of them. That's why they called it Operation Shatam. Jonathan's on the line. So I'm talking about Waco, obviously. Just a little bit to go, and I won't even get to the timeline. I'll start that probably tomorrow. Article says, whoever was at fault, this seemingly avoidable catastrophe is now forever indelibly seared into the minds of the American and world consciousness. Such was the scale of the calamity. No, I think it was purposeful. I think it was, uh, was a mass murder. 
Okay, and I'll speak bluntly about that all the way through April 19th, which is the 30th anniversary. Nobody else seems to be covering it, so we're going to do it. Last sentence. This is we're not going to try to convince you. This is crime investigation on the website. We're not going to try to convince you on either point of view. In truth, there's probably a little right and wrong on both sides. Yeah, probably. I think there's a lot wrong on one side, though. <laughs> you know, this is what we can do, though, is give you a detailed breakdown of what happened in the buildup to, during, and after the truly awful events of the Waco siege. It actually starts back August 17, August 17th of 1959. This is going to be a great article to cover. Uh, it's going to be uh, very interesting, and I will keep, uh, keep doing it. And uh, Sinai 77 is signing off for a little bit from the Netherlands. He'll be back uh, live chatting in a bit. But let's go to our, our uh, criminal defense attorney, friend, legal reporter, and all-around fascinating person, the one and only Jonathan Mosley. Good morning, Jonathan. How are you doing? Yes. Uh, watching a train wreck is fascinating. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, but, but I've, uh, I'm very honored to have been uh, thrown into a whole bunch of things for which I have no one to thank but God in planning it. But anyway, um, so what were you just reading on, when I got on about, about we need to remember things like Waco and Ruby Ridge and all this stuff where government, you know, uh, police abuse had nothing to do with race and uh, they shot white people just like they, you know, other people. But I was intrigued by where you're, where you're, where, what you're reading from, because that's a, a history we need to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've, uh, if you go to the Action Radio Special Investigations page, and this is for everybody, it's on Facebook, Action Radio Special Investigations. I've got to slow down. I've been talking too much this hour. Special Investigations page, Action Radio uh, on Facebook. I have, I think, about six to eight articles already on Waco. I started covering it a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to be covering it all the way through the, 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 the government massacre by the FBI, ATF, KGB. Uh, on April 19th, which is Patriots Day. There's a reason. See, the symbolism is, is, is what is so revealing uh, about Waco. They called it Operation Showtime. Uh, this was Bill Clinton's, you know, show of force to show what a tough guy he was. You know, he wasn't a little wimp. Uh, so he kills a whole bunch of people, 86 uh, people, including 17 children, uh, pays no price for it. Uh, the bodies were bulldozed into the ground after they were gassed and burned. Uh, and uh, I was reading from, to get to Jonathan's point, uh, the website is called Crime investigation as crime then it has a plus sign so crime investigation the waco siege a timeline of tragedy it's a really long article uh, and it's uh, yeah crime investigation uk so it's actually a british publication that's where i get a lot of my good sources are, are british media they seem to do a lot better than we do and it goes all the way through wednesday november 21st 2018 so this actually does it's pretty comprehensive it doesn't do every single day but it, the, the big one is day 51 of the siege was april 19th and so this actually really started. It would have been 51 days would have been uh, probably February was when they first laid siege to uh, um, to Mount Carmel, the the the, the uh, Branch Davidian Center uh, in Waco. So that's where it comes from. Crime investigation, uh, and then the, I guess that maybe they have crime investigation UK as a separate one, but they have a. Now it seems to be British. Let me see if I can get a, get more information for you on this here. Get to the bottom of this here hey. and see if it's yeah. Go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, I just sorry about that. I uh, just got a call from the uh, January, which is not what I was going to talk about, and I want to go back to this topic. But sure. January defense, um, and I was really tempted 
Um, let's talk about January 6th. No, that's fine. We can talk about I, anything. I've already talked about Waco. I'll be doing a lot of it. So I'll, I'll tell you when well, which episode. Well, okay, I, I could probably remember this, but it was mm-hmm. – so they wanted me to jump on a Zoom call, and I said, well, I, you have to come back in an hour, but it's, it sounds huge. Um, but let's do Waco. The Because uh, my – and, you know, I, I – I guess I don't look that old, but, you know, the fact is having hung around a long time, mm-hmm. one, you know, one learns a lot of, a lot of junk. Um, and, I, and I just can't understand why some of these things aren't obvious to everybody. But, you know, I remember watching Waco happen on TV live. Yeah, me and too. Too many, too many of our people just don't know this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, my, you know, my impression at the time and only hardened over time is that this was, this was a, this was an intimid, this was a, an intimidation campaign that has not stopped. And we've seen it as recently as January 6th and the prosecutions and everything else. Like this was, this was you know, the whole thing about the Bundy Ranch, all this stuff. This was the macho, abusive you know, bullying FBI and ATF and and uh, Bureau of Land Management, different BLM. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think this, I, I don't think we should only look at these things at their face value. I think the context was to to bully conservatives into sitting down and shutting up. And this that this goes back as far as the 90s, if not earlier. So, um I think we got to we got to consider that that you know there was no need to go. It's it's kind of like um, I've joked. You know, if Donald Trump were to announce that he's going to barricade himself in Mar-a-Lago, the cry would be, "Well, we have to go in there and and uh, and pull him out. Let's just leave him alone." <laughs> you know, it's like this is where my joke about barricading started with. Wait, so they're barricaded in the compound in Waco. Well, so what? Leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Um, they want rest, Koresh, um, but he would go down to the grocery store. So all they had to do was hang around the grocery store and wait for him to come down for some smokes, and they could have arrested him on the on the sidewalk. Oh, the sheriff knew him. But the, the sheriff has reported saying that if I wanted to talk to David Koresh, I'd just ask him. He would come in and talk. <laughs> Right. So he already had a great association with the town. You know, this is why local law enforcement is so important. Local law enforcement knows the people. They've grown up together. They know who they are, you know, especially if if, if cops are serving in the community where they grew up, which is ideally what you want. You know, but uh, he had and and if you I wouldn't even call it a compound. I call it a community because words mean things. It was the media and the government that called it the compound. You know, they, they might as well have so, called it the concentration camp, you know, but these names, yep, you know, yep. and, and they call it a cult. I call it a religious community. Now, is it different than a lot of other religious communities? Sure. But you have the right to do that in America. You know, you have the right to, well, to and, have and, extreme views. It's okay. As long as you're not breaking laws and hurting people. last week. Yeah, go ahead. That you don't have to, you don't have to like them or support them. The traditional ACLU nope. position, the NAACP, all these liberal Politicians, mm-hmm. their position was that if <clears throat> if it becomes okay to attack or censor the unpopular, pretty soon it's going to be you too. Mm-hmm. And they they they've always they always took this position that you know we will defend the right of Nazis to to march through Skokie, Illinois, 
Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, again, Nazis today would probably be um, in the anyone who calls himself a Nazi today <laughs> would have been the first ones. If they if yeah. they were in Nazi Germany, they would have been beaten, you know, beaten uh, yeah. in in the back alley to a pulp and and shot. Um, yeah. So they're they're you know they're calling them Nazis is a real stretch. But in any event, if they if they want to um, protest and then if we don't defend them, we're losing our rights as you know. Uh, and I, it just happened that it, it came up because of Nazis things with Jews. Um, it, it isn't always about Jews, but just it just happened to be a counterpoint there. And um, you know, if I want my, if I want to make the best defense against my for my rights is to defend everybody's rights, and we've completely lost that. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's like it's just sort of crazy. And they, um, so they've got uh, no, but I believe the whole thing was just muscle it was just it was just it was all about showing who's boss so we have to send in i mean janet reno has the tanks you know the civilian tanks the armored personnel carriers and like well they're just sitting there you know not doing anybody so let's go in and, and just show who's boss and and they end up killing 88 people and and this is like this is not unusual you know this is not like an isolated event um, so, uh, so they want to go, so some, you know, the, the, the wet, who are the people, Ruby Ridge, I've come on, Ruby Ridge, not Wagner's, Randy Weaver's, Weaver. yep. Randy Weaver, so they go out there, you know, tramping through the woods with snipers. Survivors. To, um, Basically the people who didn't want government, they were off the grid. They weren't using the power from the local utility. You know, they drank fresh water from rain and rivers. You know, they, they weren't, uh, they were off the grid and they were living their lives as they tried. No, I think, Again, you I can do that they, too in America. They might've had a gun violation or whatever. But again, no, that was, no, that was fake. Like... That was entrapment. No, they, they, uh, they okay. basically bribed Randy Weaver into uh, uh, gunsmith or, or sawing the barrel off a gun that was like a quarter inch too short. It was done by an FBI agent for entrapment. That's how they do it. Like Kyle, like Kyle Rittenhouse. They, but the thing is, the, yeah. the, the point being, like you, you described very well, these are people who want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. So how much threat is there to society of people who are trying to be left alone? You know, now if they come into town like the like the Cartwrights and Bonanza and do their monthly run into getting a supply, and yeah. you want to you know you want to cite them and say because you know that there's uh, in courts there's a summons versus an arrest. You could be summoned to court mm-hmm. without being arrested. They could say, hmm. "Here's your court date. Show up." Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not going to arrest you right now if it's um, like a subpoena. So it sounds, it sounds like mm-hmm. a subpoena. It sounds like a subpoena. No, it's more than a, a subpoena. It's it's it is it's like a subpoena, but it's more you are being charged. Oh, okay. You know, you you are being charged with uh, say DWI or whatever, but we're not going to. Now, sometimes you know, sometimes for DWI they will arrest, but um, you know, they it it, it it's it's a formal charge. Mm-hmm. But it, but they don't have to waste jail space or your time to just say, you know, just show up and we'll we'll talk about it in court. That so so whatever it was with the Weavers, no, no, they have to go out there and and prove who's boss. So they end up shooting a mother, shooting a mother and the child who's holding a child. 
you yep. hear that the dog is barking. They go out, um, go outside Vicky. to find out what's going on. Vicky Weaver. Mm-hmm. Was her, name? her name was Vicky Weaver. Yes. Thank you. So mm-hmm. she goes I... out holding the, holding the baby in her arms and gets shot. Mm-hmm. So like I say, the, these, these, these um, shows of machis, machismo um, are not harmless. And, you know, killing 88 people in Waco is not the exception. It, you know, it's these. It's like I just posted on Facebook about the problem with these global, you know, these central uh, planning elites, mm-hmm. uh, you know, running the world is that they're so damn incompetent. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, you know, they're, they're the experts and they should be running the world, but they're just so bad at it. Um, so they go out there and they get people shot mm-hmm. and they shot the dog. And mm-hmm. this is their big black eye attempt at machismo. Same with now. Who is it? The same with the Bundys. Like the, yep. the issue with the Bundys, not what the not what you heard in the media, was they did not believe that that eighty five or eighty three percent of Nevada belongs to the federal government, and they've got some strong legal arguments for it that nobody that keep getting dismissed oh, we, because nobody. We wants spent to. two hours with Roger Root right. talking about that very subject. So we've been over that That's very great. carefully. Yep. People should go back and listen to that because the really, mm-hmm. it is a huge deal. It's a huge issue. Uh, I think a presidential candidate should promise to give all that questionably, if not illegally or unconstitutionally held land in the West back to the, to the States. And I think that'd be very popular. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to give them to as the land as reparations, you know, go, go ahead. But, um, but um, in any event, so all they're saying is, like, we owe the grazing fee to the state of Nevada. We don't owe it to the Bureau of Land Management. Right. That was it. But, no, they got to have this big showdown, like, you, you know, kneel before Zod if people know they're Superman. You know, you, you must kneel and kiss the ring. Is, is, uh, Sounds like Black Lives you know, Matter. Blo- it's what it sounds like. Well, it is kind of an ironic, ironic uh, thing. It's BLM, um, Bureau of Land Management. But, uh, but oh, anyway, that interesting? You know, oh, that's fascinating. Black Lives Matter and Bureau of Land Management are the same acronym. That's funny. I, I yeah. didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Well, but, but so, so anyway, the, the federal government blows the horns and the liars and everything else, you know, the L-Y-R-E-S, and beats the drum. And, and you must kneel um, and, and declare your your loyalty to the the personhood of the of the leader or they'll mm-hmm. throw you in the fire um mm-hmm. and so this keeps happening mm-hmm. and, and the thing is like i say it's nothing new it's not harmless people die mm-hmm. it's always a catastrophe the government always you know screws it up and i wanted to say something else they, they make a mess of it because they're incompetent mm-hmm. they don't deserve our respect mm-hmm. and they keep doing it and and this is what's going on with january 6th go ahead yeah as i said the worst part of it for me is the fact that nobody's held accountable nobody's held responsible bill clinton is still walking the streets a free man he's never had his trial he's never been arrested for for uh, a massacre you know and neither has anybody else and i've been trying to trace where these people are like what did merrick garland do at waco i know he was there i mean i don't know how i mean i just i, I, mean, I can't prove it yet oh i, I did know not he, know that uh, well, I don't know. He, I don't know he was there, but I mean, in other words, where else would he be? 
Where else would Merrick Garland be? Now, Chris Ray, I looked him up. He was too young for it by a couple of years, so he missed it. He wasn't in the FBI yet. So Chris Ray was not there, even though he's head of the FBI now. But Merrick Garland's old enough that I'll bet you we're talking 30 years ago. Okay, so I'm 63 now. I was 33 then when this happened. And so I remember very well. I remember every bit of it because, you know, I'm a student of history and government and things like that. But there's been repercussions. In fact, the same assassin, Lon Horiuchi. So these names, I want to mention these names so people know who we're talking about. Lon Horiuchi, who killed Randy uh, Weaver's wife, uh, I think shot Randy, and I think he killed his son too, was also at Waco. Same guy. He's got a long and distinguished history of assassinating American citizens for no reason. So well, Lon I mean, Horiuchi. Assassinated you know, um, oh yeah, that's true. Now, that I don't think was, uh, that wasn't Lon Horiuchi. That was a, that was a different agent. Um, well, no, I, I'm not saying it was the same agent, but I'm saying the same was, same type of he, person. He was, yeah, I mean, th- there was a lot of controversy about how some FBI insiders went uh-huh. to the B- Bundy's source um, and said that there is a plan to drone you people. You know, to do mm. something or other where they could, oh, they, they were moving the media back mm-hmm. and they were going to attack the, uh, the Bundy encampment in Oregon, not the one in Nevada, but the one which I never entirely understood, up in Oregon where Finicum was. And there was a lot of discussion about that. Um, Stuart Rhodes back then went on the air a lot and he he, he, you know, people accused him of spreading this, or it was his source. It was not his source. It was a source that went to the Bundys. The Bundys asked, what do you think about this? And the Oath Keepers counseled caution. You know, they said, well, we've looked into it. It might be true, but I just think you guys should spread out, and you should think carefully about whether or not you want to just wait there and be, and be killed. Um, but at the minimum, you should spread out and not make yourself a target. Um, and Finnick, and and he also said, you guys should move, we, because he was there originally, should move to a constitutional sheriff county, as you were mentioning earlier, where mm-hmm. you can trust the sheriff. And um, they, uh, um, um, and so, uh, you know, and so some of them did leave and, and, and people have various opinions about, you know, they, they accuse Stewart or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. so Finicum was was leading. There was a bunch of people, including some. Um, they were including some um, police, you know, some some law enforcement in the caravan. So when the when the. The ATF stopped Finnicum's convoy. There were there they were police officers with them, and 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 they shot and murdered Finnicum on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I've seen the video. Yep. Yeah, they actually. So video, anyway, it's pretty horrendous, or at least something. I think the surveillance tapes. There's a helicopter overhead. Right. So so I think we need to we need to. I forgot what else I was going to say about that, but we. I think we, we, need, we need to understand that the intimidation campaign has been going along, on a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me ask you a question. Do you think the fact that 
for the first time, American people showed up with rifles, just regular American citizens, and stood up to the BLM. Uh, do you think that in, 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 in some ways is because of what oh, happened at Waco? Your voice just didn't got stand. soft. I don't know if that's affecting the radio broadcast. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Well, you got quiet for a second, but as long as you can hear me now. So my question was, do you think that uh, the, the Bundy Ranch, now the Bundys were actually grazing on land that they their family grazed on for 100 years. Uh, so the fact that BLM mm-hmm. came in was kind of new. So the BLM was trying to charge them and trying to change those policies. I'm not sure exactly the argument, but the Bundys were, were right with what they were doing. They're within their rights. They're paying the grazing fees in Nevada. It was none of the federal government's business. Uh, and yet they wanted to claim the land and claim everything and change the rules and charge them you know, uh, raise the fees from like, I don't, whatever it was, it was like a dollar an acre to, you know, $5,000 an acre, whatever it was, it was a horrendous amount. And that's what caused the problem. And they said, no, we're not going to pay the extra. We're not going to do this. And then, of course, they seized their cattle, shot a bunch of them and uh, caused the problem. But for the first time, Americans stood up to the BLM and brought a bunch of rifles uh, and said, no, you're not going to shoot these people. You're not going to kill their cattle. You're done. That's it. Turn around and go home. And they did. They actually backed down. Uh, which is good, but I'm wondering how much of that came about because of what happened at Waco 30 years ago. And I wish if I had a, you know, the ability and the money you know, to go to Waco uh, and with a bunch of other people and surrounded. My plan was to surround the ATF and the FBI with, with thousands and thousands of Americans saying, no, this is over. Get out of here. You're done. That's what, really needs, that's what the militia needs to do the next time the government pulled yep. an operation like this, because it was, it was called Operation Showtime. They did it for the sole purpose of showing how tough they were. It was Bill Clinton's gun control kickoff for his campaign. It went wrong, and nobody's paid a price for that. And that's my big problem. And I got Pianca, I'll bring him in in a second, too. But uh, it is. It's, it's all, you know, the nerds in the back rooms that think about, gee, wouldn't it be neat to, uh, you know, go after this community? And I'm sure they look for the, just the right community to go after. I mean, how do they pick these people? In this little obscure community, yeah, exactly. this, this bunch of religious folks who are a little upbeat, a little crazy, you know, they're, they're different. No, I mean, nobody's different, ever heard but of that's okay. Before. What's that? No, no I one mean, ever who had heard, heard of Waco? Who, who had heard of David Koresh? You're right. No one. No one cared. Because most Americans let people live, even if they're different. That's the whole point of being an American. Pianchi, let's get you on the conversation mm-hmm. here. What do you think of all this? Because you, you remember Waco. You know, uh, the Bundys need reparations for what That's interesting. they went through. And they was absolutely right. Their fees should have went to the state and not the federal government. Same thing with these uh, leases that uh, the federal government is charging exploration and their extraction of oil in states. Well, those fees, if they go to anyone, they should go to the states. But the question is this, mostly, why come these states don't do what they're supposed to do? These show-offs with the federal government, the BLM, is really needless. It's, I don't understand it. They don't even have to do that. State legislature's got the power. It's a good question. I don't know. Now, in Nevada's case, the theory is that the Harry Reid contingent, you know, Senator Harry, um, dominates the state of Nevada, just like the Biden family dominates Delaware. Um, So that's a possibility. I mean, that's possible, but it doesn't explain all the other states. I I, I don't know. I don't know why they don't. Well, no state does it. 
they don't. But you know, it goes everything from Roe v. Wade, which nobody had to comply with because the Supreme Court can't make law, and that they don't. The, the states complied. Uh, the, the BLM and the, the federal agencies, agencies cannot own any land in states that has not been granted by the legislature, in which I imagine would be most of it. I think the, the feds just took it or kept it. They never gave it back like they were supposed to. You know, uh, from when from there was these were territories like Louisiana Purchase and some other big things out west. But these people are, uh, Jonathan. Do you think they're just supremely ignorant? Or they're afraid to rock the boat, or they have, or they're under this myth that the federal government is actually supreme to the states, which is total nonsense. Or well, all of the I above. I think all of the above. Some, in okay. some cases, they agree with the, you know, they 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 like hmm. the political view, but not all of. No, that can't be the explanation for all the states. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I I don't know I I don't even know why conservative leaders don't champion some of this stuff um so you know the same thing happened to another guy who was the author of uh, behold a pale horse his name was cooper <clears throat> i don't know if you read if you, have you ever read that book no Jonathan? no what's it what you guys it? make me feel like i'm older man i can't be that much older than y'all. you are older you're, you're you're the world's first black curmudgeon <laughs> yeah, you should read. You should read that book, and you should see they attacked him. Off, matter of fact, they killed him. Oh wow! They, they killed him. Uh, snipers killed mm-hmm. him at his house or something like that. And in fact, mm-hmm. in front of his wife. But the, these things was brewing before it finally played out at Waco. Mm-hmm. And you asked, was Garland involved in that? That should be made mention, uh, Greg. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, I, I sometimes toss around myself. At what point will I be, or we will be, so so uh, you know, well known, big and powerful, and actually have citizen legislation out there that uh, we're under threat from the government? You know, when you know, when do we? Uh, what point do we have to, you know, cross that uh, cross that bridge? Mm-hmm. I think about it. Um, it's going to happen. It's just a question of when. You know, when we come up from under the censorship. Oh, cyanide seventy seven Netherlands says William Cooper. I guess that's uh, that's the name. You've already read what? it. <laughs> we, we have a Netherlands connection. Um, the the code name is Cyanide77 on live chat. So if you guys go to live chat, so we, he's, he, he listens at work. He calls, types in directly all the time. So we have a, we have a Netherlands you know, uh, reporter in here as well. <laughs> so we're international live right now. So just to let you know. Yeah, his name was okay. William Cooper. You know, the, the federal government has been running uh, Lock shot, or however you want to pronounce the, the, the word most people have never heard of but for a long time, and they need to be checked. And what are you going to check them is with a constitutional amendment. And it needs to, do to what? be done. Uh, we're Which actually, one? state legislature could do it right now. Amendment for what? For the land? The land. The states can take their land anytime they want. In fact, I wish no, they, they would. Need to, they have to, that's the only way you're going to check the federal government is with amendments to the Constitution. But it's already there. They don't the give federal a government. The amend, no, the Article One, Section Eight. It's very clear that the federal government cannot own land unless it's under a military base, uh, uh, or a dock, or, or an essential building, or in DC. That's our, you don't need well, an amendment; you just need to enforce it. Apparently, they have, and we know they have. They circumvented that with all sorts of rules and regulations. Well, those rules are illegal. We just need to challenge those. See, I wouldn't. I, you don't need an amendment to prove to to create something that already exists. See, that to me doesn't make sense. 
You know, well, I might get Jonathan's opinion on that. But what you do, if it's already in the Constitution, you enforce the Constitution, and that enforces the rest of the Constitution. But if you take the Constitution and you put amendments for things that are already covered to try and make it stronger, you, def- well, you weaken the Constitution. That, there's a lot of things that's not covered that needs to be amended. And I'm well, that makes people, sense. People, yeah, people come together and they think that things need to be changed and made more claritable. Well, for, for, for the common person can understand what the heck they're reading, then it needs to be provided. Yeah, but you don't do it in the Constitution. You, you write an article. You write, uh, you know, you might have rules, policies, even legislation, even laws. But you don't amend the Constitution when the provision's already there because it is the supreme law of the land. So why would you need to challenge the supreme law of the land and weaken it with another provision explaining what the supreme law of the land already does? That's the point I'm making. Well, I think like it would be confusing. It's like the 14th Amendment. Uh-huh. Just like the 14th Amendment, when it, it, it allowed procedural due process. You had due process, I believe, either the 5th or the 4th Amendment. And, right. of course, that had to do with sustainatives. For instance, like uh, taking land, not taking land, but what is the name for it? And a oh, person should domain. be should receive, intermittent domain person should receive fair market value. But they had to come back and do a 14th Amendment in order to make things a little bit more palatable. Well, so, no, the 14th Amendment actually whatever. made a fundamental change, though. The 14th Amendment declared state citizenship because it says that Americans are, are, are the citizens of the United States and of the state in which they reside, which means that but illegal that aliens are not. But that could have not. been obvious. But, but that um, could have been obvious until the Supreme yeah, could, Court mangled it. Hmm. Okay, tell well, me the I mean, the, the, so, the idea so, that, the, the well, idea that so, there's two different citizenships was a was, was a was the Supreme Court trying to stick its nose into a political dispute mm-hmm. and making a mess of it? Well, what the 14th Amendment did was override the Dred Scott decision in Judge Taney's court. Taney's court. Is what it yeah, but was you one of the things a, that. You, but you don't need a constitutional amendment to override a bad court decision. You just remove the judges. You know, you 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 change by statute, or so, or you don't have to do that. Just remove the judges and say this 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 opinion does not apply. This is an illegitimate opinion. So you didn't need the Fourteenth Amendment to do that. Maybe this is where that ridiculous thing came out. Remember in the, the the Kavanaugh hearings, Frappard Kavanaugh, when I remember because I made a video on this that uh, Lindsey Graham was saying that, uh, and I've even heard Matt Gates say this. Gates say this. It takes a constitutional amendment to overturn a Supreme Court decision. That's a bunch of freaking nonsense. That's not true. Oh, market's open. That's not true. Yeah, but, but the, 14th the 14th Amendment, amendment? Tanny well, said that a black man has no rights that a white man can have to respect, which in technically because he was right. They weren't citizens. So they had to come up with 14 minutes to override that. But anyway... I think you mean 13. BLM has no business. States have no business, I don't think, paying any fees to BLM. They need to go away. Both of them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But let me ask Jonathan that question, too, because uh, why wasn't the Bill of Rights applied to state and local law? Was that ever actually a thing, or was it because of these bogus Supreme Court you know, opinions that screwed everything up that required the 14th Amendment? Why wasn't the 14th Amendment applied uh, why wasn't the, the Bill of Rights, for example, applied to state and local uh, laws as well as it was federal? Well, there, there are some different issues. I mean, because the federal government was understood when it was created to be a separate government. Okay. And, you know, the, that 
that the state governments would continue to run their states except on issues that are that were purely federal that only the federal government could deal with. So, um, you know, so the Bill of Rights was intended to apply to, uh, to the federal government and, and not the states, but the, the, uh, yeah, the 14th amendment and other due process arguments were used to what they call incorporate the Bill of Rights against all federal agencies not just congress mm-hmm. and and all state government too but that was not the that's not what, what it originally says in the in the uh i think again in the constitution uh, i think it's back i think the bill of rights applied to state and local of course constitution applied to the federal <clears throat> well it's been interpreted but, that way yeah but it but i mean i mean the bill of rights says you know congress shall make no law it doesn't even it doesn't even say anything about the executive branch, but it's been interpreted that way for a variety of reasons. Um, well, executive be, actions have to come from statutes by Congress. So if you stop Congress from making a law, the executive by default can make no policy or regulation. Well, that's that true. Congress cannot make a law to. I mean, that's how it's supposed to work. And if they do, then right, they challenge it in court, and you get thrown out. Yeah. Well, I said, yeah, for a variety of reasons, it's been interpreted that way. Yeah, well, but interpretation—that's uh, our greatest. That's evil. why you mm-hmm. have to have. That's why you need to have amendments, because look at the AFT in their interpretation of the Second Amendment. It runs clean from New York to London, unbound, and they continue, continue, continue. Next thing that uh, even the serialization of bullets. They want to say that uh, with the Second Amendment, we got the power to require serialization, serial numbers on bullets. No, they don't. It's because it's just not perfectly clear. See, now, okay, now this is this is a really important point. I think you mean the ATF also, but there's a really important point that the Constitution, as we know, specifically delegates certain powers to the federal government, and anything not specifically delegated, they can't do. But I also know, because I've heard this in articles and people speak about it, and Jonathan, question for you, that most of the federal government believes that they can do anything they want unless it's prohibited by the Constitution. So rather than be a delegation of the only things they can do, it's actually a prohibition on the few things that they can't do, and everything else is fair game. And this is where they screw up. Well, Jonathan? no, it's more complicated than that because okay, um, <clears throat> because the, the proper analysis requires – does the government have the power to do it in the first place? Mm. And then is it, is it limited or prohibited? So like, like for example, there's no, there is no, uh, well, there are kind of, there's, there's no power in the federal government to regulate marriage. Um, and so before you get to the point, like, can you, can you discriminate on the basis of marriage? Uh, you say, well, you don't have any power, any business being in that issue at all. It's like one one thing I was going to say is that the, um, you know, people talk about uh, only white men had the right to vote. The original Constitution doesn't say anything about who has the right to vote. It assumed that each state will figure that out for themselves. 
Um, I, and, uh, that's a huge point. I want to hold there for a second because that's a huge point. I can't find any, great any funny document that says white or men or property owners or any exclusion of any kind. It just doesn't say that. It says the people. There's no separation of white male property owners anywhere that I've ever found. I could be wrong, but I've never found anything like that. Pianki, and then I'll ask John that question. You're absolutely right. That's All these lie. things came to be. These things could be on the convenience of someone who had a hidden agenda is what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, does that exist anywhere? Have I, have I missed that little codicil yeah. in one of our founding documents that actually says white male property owners? Because I can't find it. I've looked. No. Okay. Nowhere. So that's a myth. So um, when did that start? When did the well, Democrats I mean, was, start doing well, it's, that? It's, it's something that I like to call a lie. Um, okay. But it, you know, it is a historical fact mm-hmm. that they, um, you know, and this is one of the confusions we talk about a lot. Like even in law school, we talked about, we talk about the difference between what is and what should be, mm-hmm. and what I want to be. These are totally different things. You could say in a law school class, "This is what the law is." I don't mm-hmm. like it, me personally, but mm-hmm. I'm just telling you what it is. You know, and, and some people talk about positive law versus normative law, meaning, uh, you know, trying to, to deal with the difference between identifying the law as it is, as opposed to the best argument for what the, for what the, the law ought to be. So observing that, observing what was the case in historical, this historical colonies is different from saying that that is constitutional. It, it was there, it was lamentable, but that doesn't mean that just because it was there, it was in our Constitution. You know, I'm sure there's some municipalities, counties, and cities, uh, especially run by Democrats, that would have limited you know, voting with poll taxes and all the other stuff. I'm not saying it didn't exist. I'm just saying that it's not in our founding documents. And to say that our nation is founded on white male property owners having all the rights is a blatant lie. But there were places right. that well, I mean, were exclusive. The people, so, the, the people who wrote the Constitution surely were aware right. that most states, well, probably no states. No, I don't know, because if someone were a freed black man, I don't know, I, I don't know what. But certainly slaves would not be allowed to vote. And they were aware of that. But the Declaration of Independence seems to, to declare a different goal. Mm-hmm. It says all men are created equal and created by, you know, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, um, what, if you go back to the, the Old Testament, you know, they didn't, most people didn't have houses to mortgage. There were indentured uh, servants, but their ability to redeem themselves and come out of slavery, come out of indentured servitude, would certainly endorse the idea that they're also created, um, by, endowed by their creator, with certain inalienable rights. So, um, and, and apparently, and many of the people who signed the Declaration of not many, well, I mean, there weren't that many who signed the Declaration of Independence, but but a number of those who did um, uh, responded by freeing their slaves or putting in their, their will that their slaves 
would be um, would be freed on their death because they didn't know how to. I don't know why, but they could, you know, running their plantations would be a very difficult transition. So, you know, some people understood at the time by their behavior that the Declaration of Independence was inconsistent with treating uh, blacks differently from whites. So I don't know. What about uh, so a black man could vote? well, let me, let me the Declaration. Right, go ahead. The Declaration of Independence was for the Englishmen that was removing themselves away from the king. It would not have been considerable who would slaves have been removing themselves from. Well, that's true. One could say that the preamble to the Declaration of Independence is not entirely necessary. So it's kind of, you know what one one could have written the Declaration of Independence without those the, the preamble um although they you know they they declared that they they felt it was important for the world to understand why they were doing it um but you know but the thing is too is when slavery was started installed and became part of american fabric it, it, we were under the british crown you know the, the colonies did not decide to um have slavery the the mercantile interests in 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 London or in throughout England, but you know, working in London, for you know, got the crown to impose slavery on the colonies. Um, now, certainly, well, that's interesting. When was that? Was that right at the right when the colonies were established that slavery was going to be part of our economic system? Because that's not talking. That's, that's huge. That's huge, Jonathan, because you, yeah. you can't talk about the United States being a racist country if slavery was imposed upon the United States when it was, when it was a, a colony of England. Yeah, now the South became addicted, no, no doubt about it. The, you know, the Southern economy became you know, addicted like to crack um, <laughs> to, to the slave economy. Right. But, um, but it was not at the initiative of, you know, of, of American colonists. Um, so, um, and I, like I said, I'm not sure that they fought real hard against it, except that I, I do think that the percentage of American colonists who ever owned a slave was actually extremely small. Yeah, I like tried 5%. to do some research. It's like 5% maybe yeah, I tried or less. To do some, yeah. I, I tried to do some research, and it was a little bit difficult because they go by household instead of by person, and hmm. they count somebody who ever had a slave for like one day like for example a, uh, an uncle dies and uh, leaves everything to a family and the family turns around and sells or frees the slave they still count so it's a little hard to get good numbers in what I could see slavery was learned from Africa that's where it was learned from in Ghana just alone there's at least five different forms of slavery including chattel pond if, uh, if Greg was your son and you owed me money, you said, well, I could take Greg and work him until the equivalent of what I owe you be given back. So it was it was a natural way of doing business in uh, that period of time in history. And even way before, probably a thousand years before anyone on that continent even met anyone from Europe. Yes, absolutely. And, and uh, I mean, there's even the idea that when, <clears throat> when two kings 
entered into an agreement, usually one having conquered the other, they would take it take one of the sons of of the king and he would be held hostage in the in the other king's country. You know, so there, when you say there were many forms, you, you're right. That's a good, a good analysis. Well, yeah, it's not, it's not true. That it's it good, but, you know, it's not, but it's not, but the, the point being that our constitution was really not intended to run things down at the state level. And uh, the thing about uh, being a property owner before you could vote was really implemented at the state level. It was never meant, uh, implemented at the federal level. Mm-hmm. And that would exclude uh, a majority of whites. I mean, a, a majority mm-hmm. a majority of white people would not qualify for that, especially when the Absolutely. and it's pro- it was probably. It was probably in response to large numbers of immigrants, all the Irish coming in. It was probably reactionary to large numbers of perceived riffraff from Ireland and and other places. I don't know. I have. I'd have to go back and look at that. Plantation owners, plantation owners received land for every immigrant that they sponsored. Even blacks received land. You had blacks that took advantage of that opportunity too by sponsoring immigrants and receiving land <clears throat> for for doing so. Hmm. I didn't know that. Let me, um, let me jump in here. We've got about 50 minutes, and uh, I'm probably going to let you both in this. We have a very, very special topic uh, at the top of the next hour. But a couple of things that, that Jonathan mentioned earlier as we've been conversing uh, off the air between our, our chats on Mondays. Uh, Samantha Powers, uh, International Censorship, Gateway Pundit has some articles on this. Is like a fund or an operation? Is, is it part of the World Economic Forum? Uh, does it affect us directly more than even our own big tech people? Do you know about this? And I guess you were saying the yeah, articles can, have disappeared. Yeah, let me, let, me go, let me spend the next 15 minutes, which I think I can do, um, okay. talking talking about this this uh, expose here, because okay. you know we've we probably all wondered how t- you know how did the left get so powerful? How did all these forces of censorship become um, suddenly so so influential and powerful and where did all the money come from and yeah we're question. now finding out <laughs> it's a really good question yeah so apparent apparently that the state the, 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 the there's one article i have here that it talks about how the uh the state department supported the national endowment for democracy no they're part of the state department they're kind of a quasi so um we're, we're now finding out that there was one of many initiatives called the and companies. Um, well, for, let me back up and say, if people people may very well be aware that the government cannot arrange for somebody else to do what the government is prohibited from doing. So, and and this this controversy owes a lot to Jonathan Turley. Uh, the he, he he's perceived as coming down on a lot of conservative side just because he's honest. Um, uh, <clears throat> but I think that if you talked to him 20 years ago, he would be shocked at the idea of being thought of as conservative remotely. He's just an old school, honest, um, you know, civil liberties thing. But, but he, he's bringing this out because you can't, you can't use a third, the government cannot use a third party 
to abridge the First Amendment. You can't, the government can't violate the First Amendment itself, so your First Amendment rights, and it can't get somebody else to do it for you, for, you, for them. So um, what we're now finding out is the State Department, through the National Endowment of Democracy, was funding these organizations overseas, the Global Disinformation Index, and a bunch of other things, which are then rating shows like this one, and even the Washington Examiner, you know, things that we would consider to be pretty mainstream, um, and rating them as disinformation. Um, just like, just like you know, the Southern Poverty Law Center, unfortunately, has gone off the rails, and basically everybody's a racist, according to them. Um, so, except them, they then rank. The news websites, like the New York, even the New York Post and the, the Washington Examiner and the Washington Times, and things that we would never, we would never question. We were like, what, what are you talking about? Um, and rank them as disinformation spreaders, and then um, feeding that to advertisers. So they're you around the world, but even in the United States. So, so there, it's just like the bio labs offshore. You know, Fauci funding gain-of-function research that's illegal in the United States and funding it off-site in um, Wuhan. They're, they've been funding this disinformation campaign uh, outside and then feeding it back to the United States so that all of these um, alternative media and freedom-oriented and conservative outlets are, are being blackballed for um, – in terms of advertising revenue. And apparently, because John That's why I can't Shirley, find a sponsor. <laughs> That's why I can't get a major sponsor. Okay, great. <laughs> I mean, what else can they do? What else can they do to our show here? I mean, we're restricted so badly in so many different areas. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a black ball, you know, because I've tried, well, maybe... Just, well, the maybe Washington, not big enough the Washington yeah. Examiner, uh-huh. you know, is... <clears throat> the Washington Times was a conservative innovation in... It was a sea change when it came on the scene in, in mm-hmm. um, the, the District of Columbia, and later the Washington Examiner did. Although the mm-hmm. Washington Examiner is probably uh, not as hardcore, and yet it is doing an expose on this. Oh, they're amazing. Um, and Do you have any contacts there, Jonathan? Because they have a Restore no. America campaign. I've been trying. I've called them several times. I've emailed them. I'm trying to get them on board and let them know what we do here. Um, but I'd love to have a contact with the examiner. That would be fabulous. Well, they're doing a series. Gabe Kaminsky is the lead investigative reporter. Um, <clears throat> they say that that Laura Ingram <clears throat> touted this, but I don't see where I don't see a good example. But they say the Global Disinformation Index. A British group with two affiliated U.S. nonprofit groups sharing similar board members is one entity shaping the ad world behind the scenes. Now, by the way, I mean, I couldn't find this without the keyword, the Global Disinformation Index. I found an article that there's another whole scam organization that, that the U.S. is funding. Um, uh, so, so basically, you know, the thing is, is the left seems to have stupendous amounts of money from somewhere. And, I, and I, as I suspect, a lot of it is um, U- U.S. taxpayer money being used mm-hmm. to fight dis- disinformation. And, of course, everybody understands by now that the problem with fighting disinformation is 
this information is the truth that somebody just doesn't like. Um, it's like, <clears throat> you know, the, old, the idea that masks work, um, you know, questioning masks, that's disinformation, the idea that the vaccine, and, and, you know, it really bugs me when people talk about the Trump cult. You know, Trump is our champion, I think, in the sense that you used to have like two armies would pick a champion and they would fight instead of the armies or a champion would go into the um, the Coliseum. I mean, he's not just a rhetorical champion or someone we like. He's he's really fighting some of these things. But he's kind of late to the party. And so here we have Trump pushed the warp speed development of the vaccine. And I'm sure he didn't think that that the <clears throat> the bio, the the pharmaceutical companies were going to do a bad job. He assumed that they were you know, the best. But, but most Trump supporters reject Trump's COVID vaccine. So where's the cult? You know, it's like, that just bugs the heck out of me. But anyway, so, um, so I forget why I was putting that in there. But anyway, so, um, <clears throat> so the um, uh, Mike ben- Pence, the former deputy assistant of the State Department for Internal Communications and Information Policy, I assume that means under Trump, said it's devastating. The implementation of ad revenue crushing sentinels like NewsGuard, Global Disinformation Index, and the like has completely crippled the potential of alternative news sources to compete on an even economic playing field with approved media outlets like CNN and the New York Times. Now, again, how is CNN still in business? How is the New York Times still in business uh, or the Washington Post where where the truth goes to die? Um, anyway, he continues, <clears throat> the Washington Examiner article continues, and this was only a few days ago. Um, it's black, I'm not, um, some of the headline here is cut off, blacklist conservative news. Uh, but if you look for global index, if you search for global disinformation index, you'll find it, especially the Washington Examiner. Um, GDI's mission is to, quote, remove the financial incentive to create disinformation. This is their open, publicly acknowledged role. And its core output is a secretive dynamic exclusion list that rates news outlets based on their alleged disinformation risk factor, according to its website. There are at least 2,000 websites on this exclusion list, which has had a significant impact on the advertising revenue that has gone to those sites, Melford said on a March 2022 um, podcast episode hosted by the Safety Tech. But this article I'm reading from is February 9th, 2023. Um, and where's and there's there's a February 15th article in the Washington Examiner, and it is an ongoing series. Um, <clears throat> so, um, and again, remember that the use of taxpayer funds to silence people's First Amendment rights by using a, a cutout or third party is just as unconstitutional as, as if the government does it directly. Um, GDI, so there are at least 2,000. Along with similar organizations, and there are, GDI has been raking in cash as funding pours into disinformation tracking. Its charity in San Antonio, Texas, posted $345,000 in revenue in 2020, while its affiliated private foundation saw its roughly $19,600 revenue jump in 2019 to over $569,000 in 2020, according to tax records. 
And to me, one of the aspects of this is you see something you post on social media is they say, well, our fact checkers uh, found this to be inaccurate or or incomplete or something like that. And it's like, well, who the heck are these people? <clears throat> where did they come from? And apparently this is part of the black money from where they came from. Part of it, you know, if you're a conservative and you're being banned or suspended on Facebook or Twitter, guess what? You paid for it mm. um, with your taxes. Um, so um, they, um, the little tiny print here. Um, one influential ad company that has subscribed to GDA's exclusion list to defund outlets purportedly spreading disinformation is Xander with an X, X-A-N-D-R, which Microsoft bought from AT&T in 2021 for $1 billion. It's an ad company. And, you know, so mm-hmm. they, you, you wonder why um, all these conservative outlets can't get any money. I mean, so this is, this is the, the problem is that <clears throat> many companies, which used to be at least um, – I'm saying this, not the article. Uh, it used to be free market, um, American values, all those kind of things. They hire the experts in advertising to take their hard-earned money, and the and the advertising companies then channel it to anti-American, anti-business um, um, news organizations, destructive and antithetical to to the advertisers. But this is this is, and again, this is me saying, the p- part of the part of the pitch here is mm-hmm. that you don't want your ad appearing next to some hateful um, content or something. So that that's why they're scaring at, um, companies not to advertise or advertise. So then, I'm trying to do just the opposite. Company. Yeah, I'm trying to do just the opposite here. I'm looking for gun companies, prepper companies, Christian companies, all the folks that these folks don't want advertising in other places. I want to welcome them here. And as I think a lot well, of it's just the fact that we need to grow because we have other suspension from, from big tech that's holding us back. But once we can break through, those are the companies. I want Glock. I want Smith & Wesson. I want uh, My Patriot uh, Supply, Black Rifle Com- uh, Coffee, Hobby Lobby, Chick-fil-A. Those are the companies that I want uh, sponsoring Action Radio. Specifically right. because well, the, the, the left um, doesn't like them. If there are several action items from this. One is we need to take far more seriously when you see that, that a company is, you know, it should be, you shouldn't use your money to support this company. Mm-hmm. We all need to take that a heck of a lot more seriously and be much more aggressive about saying, I am not shopping there. Um, it's like PNC Bank, um, uh Delisted Donald, you know, Trump, Donald Jr.'s um, web website. Apparently, they reversed course and said it was an error. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm going to migrate out of them. Sorry. I mean, the uh, you know, well, we need to be more aggressive and serious about not using our money to support these things. We need to. Uh, I agree, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I, I tend to say, okay, I'm busy. I can't. I can't think about everything. But we we can't. We have to take it seriously. And businesses have to stop listening to these yahoos, and um, <clears throat> um, and, and take it like you know the life and death of the republic is on the line because it is. Um, and we need to be better <clears throat> at supporting um, alternatives. Uh, you know the the. Uh, like maybe Patriot Mobile uh, for telephone and things like that. Mm-hmm. We, we need to be more aggressive because people will say, well, this is terrible. Well, what can I do? 
Um, I know it's nibbling at the edges, but there are things we can do. Well, AT&T um, lost <laughs> billions. <clears throat> they lost like $10 billion between well, – they lost with One American News when they canceled that. DirecTV canceled that. I've canceled DirecTV. Uh-huh. You know, uh, when they canceled Newsmax – um, you know, I got Roku now. Unfortunately, Newsmax is on Roku. A, uh, one American News costs a little bit. I can't find Fox News. <clears throat> I know I had to get that. Of course, the only one I want to get is Tucker Carlson, maybe Laura Ingram, but because uh, they've sort of lost their way. But uh, there are all alternatives. But AT&T had a huge loss, you know, when everybody left because they dumped Newsmax. You know, so you can't, it can't have an effect. Yes, um, <clears throat> especially when it's... <clears throat> I, think, I think the... I think the habits are changing though the mindset is changing like yes the, the word has to get out there but i think uh you know real americans call them mega call them whatever um i i i think they're starting to get it in a way that in the past we just would have you know listened to say kiss tisk and ignored it but no you have to do something you know, there, there's nobody who's going to come you know other than god but god really gives it leaves it to us to a large extent um you know, the, <clears throat> there's nobody coming to save this country but you. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we gotta we gotta understand. It's, but, it's the same way with those buy black campaigns. No, why are you trying to concentrate all black dollars into so-called black businesses when those black businesses support candidates that's anti-American? That's totally yeah, well, that's true. I mean, I, I do have a soft spot for the underdog in any situation, but but you have to you have to dig deeper for sure. Um, and you know, so you, anyway. still, you still have these efforts to stop any conceivable notion of states' rights. And when you look at it, that's what it's all about. I mean, take Afghanistan since it's been most recently in the news. Afghanistan has 34 providences, 34 providences, which are in themselves states, little governments. You cannot run a pipeline from one end of Afghanistan to the other without going through those providences. And every time you go through a province, you are presented with different rules and regulations dictated by that province. Well, the same thing should go on here in the United States. You should have states' rights. States should do the land, not the BLM. But there's all these efforts to concentrate everything in a federal government where they're more easily can be bought off and controlled. That's the problem right now. They buy off Joe Biden. They buy off Obama. And they use these fictitious, uh, we are the, the, the master federal government over the states. States need to turn that back around and take back control like it was intended to be. Interesting. No, but uh, I think <clears throat> I think that's right, and I it also explains I think why some of these you know some of these people are so cowardly. We don't want to know what the what the problem is. Uh, hmm. But again, the you know the you've all seen the joke what's the difference between disinformation or the conspiracy theory and the truth and it's like six months um so at what point and like i said i've said before that that under soviet communism i think it was one of <clears throat> john quapitz's uh former soviet scientist group that 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 mentioned this that 
how the, the citizens of the Soviet Union could read the propaganda and, and they knew how to read between the lines and figure out what was really going on. Even though it wasn't saying it and it was trying to say the opposite, they, could, they, they, knew, how to, they knew how to say, ah, I see what's really happening here. And at what point are the American people going to say, look, we've been lied to and lied to and lied to and lied to. I wonder if they're lying to me now. <laughs> of course, the answer is yes. <laughs> if, if the government's <laughs> lips are moving, they're lying. I got to jump in here. We've got Dorothy on the line. We're waiting for our special guest to join us, but I'll uh, let you uh, sum up. Uh, let, me just say, let me just say, say this hour. promo yeah. for the next. Uh, okay. Is that next? I'm, I'm concerned that this phony defamation lawsuit, uh, we may not have a Fox News. Um, a, a year from today um, because of the corruption of the legal system and the sloppiness. So we could talk about that next week. Which defamation lawsuit is this one? I'm not familiar. By uh, Dominion voting machines. Oh, the people that stole our election? <laughs> Speaking of yeah. defamation? Okay, sounds good. Let's do that next week. Should be interesting. All right. Talk to you later. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank Been you, Bianchi. Uh, Greg? All right. Yeah, it's a good. I love Mondays. Actually, I get a chance to prepare for Mondays, you know, over the course of much of the weekend. Uh, and so a lot of times Mondays are really chock full of all kinds of folks. Let's get to uh, Dorothy. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it. But are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. Yeah, I'm all set for a great chat. And actually, we have a very serious topic today. Uh, we don't have your guest yet, so uh, I'll let you know as soon as our, our, our mystery guest uh, shows up. But for right now, it's just you and me. So, well, she's going to call in. She's going to call in when she feels. Well, she's gonna, she wants to listen and call in when she feels oh, okay. called to That's call. That's fine. So, yeah, it's, it's oh, you and I. Likes we're going to. Okay. Well, we're going to. I'm sure she does. We're, we're, <laughs> we, I want to lay the groundwork for this one, you know, first yep. and have a little discussion. We've covered this topic before. Uh, a little bit, but you sent me uh, the interesting article on Chloe Cole this yep. week, and um, her story is really sad. Uh, I was actually just reviewing it again in, in detail. So, and I went um, over it in the first hour for anybody that's uh, listening live now that uh, just joined us recently. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's that's definitely. Uh, feel free to recap and and, and uh, well, I'm just going to let you present the whole the whole of, of today. So this is, mm-hmm. this is basically your guest and, and information that uh, um, I'm curious. Well, so the the overall topic is you know the recent years of the politicization politicization of the transgender phenomenon, which is, you know, we have long history and humanity of transgender persons. And depending on the culture you're looking at, you know, frequently they're revered as highly spiritual beings who uh, have two souls in one body, perhaps. I think that might be Hindu. Um, I don't know exactly, but you look at a lot of indigenous cultures and, you know, to be transgender or to have sexual fluidity that is innate from birth, apparently innate from birth, is seen as a higher level of spiritual consciousness. 
for many reasons. Now in our culture, where you know we have this Puritanism history, Victorian England and religious, uh, a lot of a lot of rules and uh, shame-based behaviors and beliefs. So we kind of have this skew of um, a mix of extreme perversion sexually in our culture, as well as you know encouragement to be prudish or shamed. And in the middle of all this the very real phenomenon of the legit or um, from, from birth, from embryology, transgender individual. That is a real phenomenon. And uh, I know some people debate whether it's a choice, but old science and new science can reveal, you know, from the intricate changes hormonally and genetically and biochemically during uh fetal development and even prior to a woman getting pregnant, there are many influences on gender and sexual identity. And um, we also have an extreme exposure to uh, chemicals in our food and water now and in medications that do affect our sexuality and gender. So it is increasing in transgenderism. It has been increasing in occurrence in the past 20 to 50 years. And like autism, you know, there's this debate whether it's <laughs> we notice it more and it's more accepted or it's really, it's really occurring more. But the good evidence of, from non-biased research looks like it is, is recurring, is occurring more with a sharp uptick in the past few years, which seems to be more related to um, – as we discussed, it being kind of encouraged in school and politicized and um, become culturally sort of popular. So that that's a reality. There's statistics on that. And as we discussed on the show, one of the ramifications of, of the making it political and trendy is uh, we have now turned rapid onset gender dysphoria, which is a real temporary adolescent phenomenon where a child feels they identify more with the, with the other gender or a different gender. And uh, usually that's a reaction to a few things going on at home or in school. And it's, it's one of the adolescent, you know, things that happen that that resolves on its own later. And, uh, but instead those, those kids rapid onset gender dysphoria has become more common. And those kids have instead of, it resolving through discussions and great sex ed and um, because the goal is for kids to figure out who they truly are and be happy, whatever that is. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Instead of that, you know, they've been pushed now towards uh, hormone replacement therapy, um, committing to the other gender as their really real life uh, life um, goal as truly who they are. They're not the gender they were born with. They're told that this is who they are, and their parents are told that if they don't go along with it, the child will be depressed and suicidal. And uh, yeah, just the opposite. It, it's a it's a lot of the kids that have transitioned that are the ones that are having the greatest problems and probably the most suicidal. So it's it's um, it's not having the you know the, that argument you know immediately runs into a, uh, facts that change it. So this is interesting because. 
from all the research I've done, and again, I wouldn't say this is my absolute specialty, but I did do my postmaster's paper on the male-to-female transition and the physical uh-huh. and psychological ramifications of doing it and not doing it. And I come from a place of true concern, empathy. I love everyone to live the best life they can live. And I do believe there's a sexual and gender spectrum that is real as part of humanity. And that being said, we have so much, quote, new data that is really hard to sift through what is not politically motivated and biased. Um, Prior to the past few years, the suicide rate was high among transgenders who did not transition um, but the lack of great informed consent, great surgeons that are very skilled, um, mental health and psychological like um, therapies prior to transitioning, the lack, there was a lot of gaps that were left open. So the trans, after transition, many transgender folks did not feel complete the way they thought they would because there was a lot of other trauma from the past. Like, if, you know, if you're a kid or a person who grew up you know, in the United States, I mean, most of us have trauma from something. There's so much uh, sexual shaming, but to be actually feel like you weren't born in the body, the body you're born in was wrong and it's not who you are, which up until two years ago was 0.7% estimated of, of persons really having that experience. Now it's gone drastically up, but um, if you're born in that body, that's, that's, there's so much work to be done. And we all have work to be done, but, but so much particular work to be done by counselors and um, healing family trauma and accepting yourself and loving yourself. So the, the, frequently the phenomenon is even if their surgery went great and they had great physical results, the expectation that their life would suddenly change and they'd be happy wasn't present. And there really wasn't enough support before and after. So that was an issue already. Not even um, talking about the amount of surgeons that really didn't know what they were doing. It wasn't their specialty and they would advertise and people would have nerve damage and botched, you know, mutilated looking results. I mean, can you imagine how, tra- how traumatic, you know, we have a million housewives walking around the country that got a bad Botox or the boob job doesn't look perfect. And, and, you know, they'll talk for, for a long time about how traumatic that is. You can only we imagine. We actually had shows sure, on breast know. implants, you know, and the dangers of them, how they all leak. And I have uh, four women that come on um, periodically. In fact, we're due for another show. We have a, a uh-huh. breast implant fully informed consent bill. So I'm, you know, I'm fairly aware of, of some of and these things. And, you know, they don't all leak. They don't all leak, but there are, there are more problems than surgeons. Admit. A lot that of is do. an issue. It's yeah. always, always yeah. been an issue with surgeons. You know, I, you know, I love my surgeons. I say that with biting my tongue. A lot of them aren't very kind to nurses, but a lot of them are wonderful. And, um, but they tend to promote surgery as the fix. They tend to very much underestimate complications, pain, recovery. And that is a fact that's always been that way. So the post-transition, gender transition surgery is extremely, um, needs a lot of attention, a lot of education with the patient. It's not in place, high rate of infections, high rate of problems. And this Chloe Cole certainly had those. In fact, we can talk about her a little bit if you're ready. She's, she's significant because she's speaking out loudly at a time where there's many groups who would like to silence her, right? They don't want it. They, mm-hmm. There's many uh, political forces that would like the mainstream public to believe that uh, gender transition surgery is the answer for many more children than we used to think it was. This phenomenon is, you know, Why we've just that? been ignoring it and shaming them. And there's so many children that need this. And, mm-hmm. you know, that does not appear to be the accurate case, the accurate, um, yeah. the reality uh, unfortunately, but it's happening. 
Mm-hmm. What, were you going to say something? Sorry. Oh, I was going to say a lot of things. <laughs> I've got a whole page yeah. of notes already. Yeah, so Chloe Cole um, that's is okay. standing out because yeah. she's 18 now, and she yeah. she was living in California, and and um, I believe she was diagnosed, and this is significant, she was diagnosed with autism and ADHD at the age of seven. Now, there's a huge correlation, looks like enough correlation that we can actually say causation now, uh, between autism and gender dysphoria of some kind. Um, well, that's a, a huge range, right? Really, we need to explore. This is huge, yeah. So autism. This is huge, and there's, and I believe I know why. They, there's a lot yeah. of evidence showing why. It's very unpopular to talk about, but there is a huge amount of evidence showing that some of the childhood vaccines have that as a side effect. They interfere, and there's a biochemical, um, very great, detailed, complicated explanation of why. And we've had many unbiased researchers try to speak out about this, and they're being silenced. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that's called it's called informed consent. This is something parents should know, and they might say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and get this vaccine because I'm going to take that that apparently small risk for my child. You know, has some uh, sexuality and gender shifts in in their presentation and desires. You know, I'm going to take that risk, but it should be. Like Guillain-Barre for flu shot, it should be discussed. <laughs> I had a nail technician two days ago who told me her child got Guillain-Barre after the flu shot, and all the doctors pretended it was rare, and they you know, tried to, tried to tell her it would go away and it would be easy. She said it was horrible. And three years later, the child finally recovered, but that child could have died. And if you look at the statistics, Guillain-Barre is not rare after the flu shot. It's not. But, but, but to tell people this is what is the whole, very important thing, not to pretend it doesn't exist. Same with vaccines autism and gender dysphoria there is enough strong strong correlations between these three the the medical procedure of vaccines being injecting um, the adjuvants that have unknown uh, unmediated immune response um, gut issues hormonal issues and neurological issues and uh, gender gender dysphoria or um, non-cisgender presentations so Chloe Cole speaking out uh, at 18, says her adolescence was, adolescence was ruined. She'll never be able to breastfeed. She was diagnosed at age 12 with gender dysphoria, and uh, she was raised in California schools. There was a lot of um, openness and kind of encouragement for exploring your gender. Uh, her parents were trying to do the right thing and, and make her daughter their daughter feel um, happy and included. Um, so I, I guess it was only six months after she told her parents, I think I might feel more like a boy and started dressing like a boy that uh, doctors recommended hormone, uh, puberty blockers, hormone therapy for her. So, you know, pretty early on without really exploring uh, the phenomenon of gender dysphoria and what usually happens, which is it fades away and then the child presents as their cisgender for life happily. Mm-hmm. I've never liked that word cisgender. It makes no sense to me. I don't even think it's a real word. <laughs> it just, it, you know, it's, it's a very strange. It sounds like a made-up word uh, to me. Well, we have new words based on how our hum, human human humanity changes. Like uh, astronaut is a new word, right? So, mm, not I mean, the same category. You may not like it, but okay, oh, no, I have no right? With astronaut. It, yeah, it's a new yeah. word describing something that is new in humanity, and. Mm-hmm. Transgender is not new at all. Our awareness of it is becoming new, right? It's not new. Well, um, let's, let's 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 start to find some terms here because you present a lot of wonderful information. I really appreciate it. Um, but mm-hmm. there's a, you know I've got a bunch of stuff in red here. The first one, of course, is profit. 
And, and mm-hmm. the idea is we've, if, if it's, if it's done for profit, um, then it's, then I got a problem. In other words, if there's a financial incentive, it's like the, the vaccines, which are the non-vaccines. Um, in fact, we had Dr. Robert Malone on, uh, I think while you were away. So it's a great interview. If you want to go back and listen to him, he was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, he's wonderful. Yeah. I can't believe he's still alive. Oh, you know, it's funny. We're actually born a day apart. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm born on the 19th. He's born on the 20th. We're actually born within hours of each other. It's kind of funny. Um, that's kind of interesting. Anyway, but, uh, but the point is that if it's for profit and there's no liability, I've got a problem. So if you're doing your health with a profit incentive, okay, now I've got a real issue with you because now, I, now you're, you're immediately suspect. If you're doing something to teenager or to children before they've gone through puberty, they're not even adults yet. Okay, so they're transitioning in life. They're tra- everybody who goes from childhood to adult is in a transition. So of course you're going to have both mental and physical changes. So the experimenting idea experimenting with with gender presentation, experimenting with uh, same sex encounters is always been normal for adolescents. It will always be normal, and it is part of adolescence experimentation. Yep. And but um, I don't see that playing as with different gender. Roles. That's of not, it's not. See, not at when all. I think when I think Legitimate of transgender, transgender, I'm talking surgery, mm-hmm. surgery and drugs. Okay. That's what we're when, talking about. When someone Go is ahead. born transgender, they are not come. They are literally, you can see it. Go to preschool classrooms and start paying attention. Like prior to all this politicization and pushing of it. I mean, uh-huh. my, I have a very good friend who's has her doctorate in child development. We raised our oldest together in Santa Monica. And uh-huh. um, prior to any of this being a hot topic, you know, we had many conversations at the playground, and she, she, you know, she would say how cute it was when you go into a preschool classroom. You can see, in this case, you can see the gay kids right away, and you can see the transgender kids right away. And it, it was rare, but you can spot them a mile away. And we love the gays and transgenders. We weren't saying that in a way to be, um, oh, no. and, you know, rude to, or mean. Yeah. But, but there are children born outside. There is a spectrum of sexuality and gender, and that, that's mm-hmm. real. Okay. And also transgenderism is being pushed okay. and, and, and pushed right. on kids. So th- there's a few things happening at the same time right now. It is to the detriment of legit transgenders who just want to live their lives, be happy, and, um, and be beautiful and, and enjoy relationships. I mean, the, choosing to be transgender would be insane for an adult. The road is very hard. And, and, and when you get to know someone who is mentally healthy um, psychologically healthy and also is transgender, that is when you realize no one is choosing this who's legit. Now we're pushing it on kids and we're injecting them with things that's encouraging it. And there's a lot of problems here, but um, no one's, you know, this is, there are legitimate people born this way um, who need our love and support and understanding. Well, I think and everybody really needs love, the support, and understanding. But let's 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 go back to our terms here for a second. I want to, I want to jump in here for mm-hmm. a bit because when when we say transgender, let's let's define what we're talking about. Um, so if you're thinking of just uh, what we used to call cross-dressers or transvestites, in other words, people who dress in opposite-sex clothing, okay, nothing permanent is being done. No change. You want to do that privately? Okay. You want to do it publicly? There are places to do it. I don't want to see the, quote, the drag queen story time in front of kids. In fact, Tennessee just passed a law uh, that I think has grouped uh, the, the drag queen story time folks with, with strippers. In other words, this is adult entertainment, and it should be for adults. I actually agree with that. Okay? Would I stop people from cross-dressing? No, of course not. People want to be who they are? Great. But the question is, do you affect other people and do you affect kids? So if you're doing something that's non-permanent, non-permanent changes, and if kids, you know, I can't tell you how many, you know, girls in high school wore overalls. They look like mechanics. It was a fashion. It was cool. 
Could, would that, was that transgender? No, that was girls wearing overalls. So what? Who cares? Everybody plays different things. We have different stuff we do. It's not a big deal. However, where I draw the distinction is when it comes to surgery and drugs. If you're doing something that can change a child, especially permanently or an adult, if you're doing something that can change somebody permanently, now you're talking informed consent, informed consent of the parents, informed consent of the kids. And I don't think kids should consent, can consent to this. Uh, I wouldn't do anything to, to a child before they're an adult. Well, I think only adults. So this is where I have the problem. Okay. And also it becomes, is this, and how much of this is, is in the mind and how much of this is in the body? Okay. So you talked about vaccines earlier, and this is a really important point too. I believe that a lot of vaccines are causing autism, ADHD, and all kinds of other problems. I wonder what else they're causing. And you mentioned the connection to gender dysphoria. See, we want to distinguish between gender dysphoria, which is an issue of the mind, versus transgender, which is an issue of the body. Now, when I think of actual, and I talked about this in the first hour, when I think of transgender, I'm talking about actual, I believe the scientific term is hermaphrodite. And in other words, people that are born physically with both male and female parts. That to me are the folks, these are the folks that, and it's rare, it's really rare, but these are the folks that actually really need the surgery, really need the help, really need the drug therapies, in other words, to become one or the other. And I'm no expert on this either, but those are the folks that, when I think transgender, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of that very small minority that actually has physical uh, attributes of both males and females, okay? As for everybody else, if you're born male, you know, whatever you're born, born male or born female, uh, if it's well, if in the realm of the mind, male. Mm-hmm. what's that? Not talking mental issues. Uh, I'm not talking in the mind. I'm talking about on, actual physical. Now, but if it's an issue of the mind, then it should stay in the mind. Okay. In other words, if this no, is something that's, it's, that's but it's a, not that simple, Greg. It's not okay, that simple. Okay. Having physical aspects of both is not transgender. Does not that does not mean transgender? That's completely so different. There's all kinds of there's what all kinds of genetic presentation that gives you know, like crypto orchid testes or a blind vagina or, I mean, there's a huge okay. variety of ways But those ways are folks that actually people. are okay. not Excuse characteristically. Me. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, they're not. <laughs> um, they're not. But that's so a physical thing. You, okay. That's okay. different. So our sexuality is much more complicated than just our physical presentation mm-hmm. and our brain. There's a huge mm-hmm. amount of, 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 factors involved and i don't even think science really understands it fully but you if you can be born with um characteristics of both genders Mm -hmm. and be completely asexual or it doesn't really um determine whether you're quote straight or gay or somewhere in between it's that's different that's that's a whole different Um, question though the 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 whole lgbtq thing is is very different and i want to talk about that too but what i like to the way i the way i look at this determine how you want to present your gender wait wait hold on a second there's there's a separation if you have if if the if if you're if you're a person where the, the, the transgender is in the realm of the physical, then that's going to require a physical solution. I understand that. If, you're trans, if, you, if the fact of your gender identity, uh, gender dysphoria or confusion or just natural development one way or the other is, is purely in the mind, it's, it's a mind issue, then that's probably going to require a mind you know, solution. Okay? What I see the problem is, is, is this industry that has grown up that is taking uh, an issue of the mind and making it an issue of the body and making permanent solutions that cannot be reversed that people change. And, and this idea is the other thing too, who they truly are. 
this is a fascinating topic for me because who knows who a person truly is and who knows who they are. If you, if you do know who a person, if a person truly knows who they are, they only know who they are for that instant. And since teenagers and children are changing so much, so quickly, you can't determine that. Even as adults, we change. So again, the permanent solution for where you may be temporarily is the problem. And that makes this so complex. So, but what I don't want to do is take an issue of gender dysphoria. In other words, it's, in, you know, it's something that you're trying to decide for yourself where it's not, there are no physical, you're either physically male or physically female, then that should be handled on, on the mind level. If it's a physical thing where you actually have physical characteristics or differences or things that are not classic male or female, there's other stuff going on, then that requires a physical solution. But, the, but it's, it's the mixing, so not, it's the physical everyone, solution for the... Not everyone, you know. Go ahead. Not, everyone, not everyone who is born transgender wants to have physical surgery. They, again, it's a human choice with many varieties of desire. So mm-hmm. surgery is not the answer for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it certainly shouldn't be started, in my strong opinion, uh, the, I, I do not have a problem with doctors being sued who have not given full informed consent, who mm-hmm. have not referred kids to specialists, unbiased, unpolitically biased specialists to truly sift through if this is gender dysphoria or if this is true transgenderism, which has historically been very rare. They should err on the side of caution with any mm-hmm. surgery. And the medical industry in the United States fraught with corruption, egotism, I mean, they, they're untouchable, and it's mm-hmm. time for this to end. And I'm glad Chloe Cole is speaking out because she's an example of someone who is not really transgender, who was pushed in that direction for political and trend reasons, guilted mm-hmm. by uh, – her parents were guilted by the medical community, Kaiser Permanente, and if you're from California, you're getting – you're kind of familiar. Oh, with I know all about Kaiser. They're, they're the ones Roll that uh, gave my daughter uh, uh, a hepatitis um, B injection against my, against my, 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 you know, my ex's wishes. But they, they completely went against my orders. I said, you do not give my daughter a hepatitis B vaccine. She was like two or three at the time. I said, you do not do that. They did it anyway. Lied about it. Told me afterwards. I said, we're out of here. We actually left Kaiser over that, that, that particular issue. So you do not give my, my daughter uh, an injection or a vaccine that we have specifically prohibited you from doing. And they did it anyway because they didn't care. That's how arrogant these people are. Now, fortunately, this is just one injection. But, uh, you know, for those poor parents. Uh, and then we, we need to talk about um, the, these gender clinics because this is, this is part of the new industry that's grown up around this. And this is where the problem is. So, you know, but this is, this is the issue of how do you know? And, again, it, to me, it's very <clears> – <throat> excuse me – <clears throat> Sorry about this, <laughs> but it, it comes down to, you know, when you say born, oh, we should talk about this too. There's so much to talk about. Born transgender. When you say born transgender, what do you mean by that? Do you mean mentally, physically, both? Gonna, which, where, 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 how does one be born transgender? I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I just want to get a really clear definition of it. If, okay. I, I assume you feel like you're a man. Your whole life you felt like like you I never really when thought we were, about it. I, I, yes, you did. I mean, you didn't think about it because you don't have to. That's the privilege. Yes, the privilege I did. Is you didn't have to think about it. Okay. Well, when I when tell I, I when I, I'm going to I'm going to let our guest. I'd like our guest to call in. I'm sure she's listening at some point. I hope she give does. Her to go ahead. Um, yeah. Whenever she wants to step in, because I feel like she could speak more to this very well. But I'm going to say this: when when my kids uh-huh. were little, and I was we were in Santa Monica, um, I gave them. I, I in my in our playthings in our house were tutus, sparkly things. Mm-hmm. Uh, a huge variety of toys. My three boys gravitated usually towards the boy toys. Every now and then they'd like the sparkles. 
um, mm-hmm. and they might play with them a little bit, but it was evident that they gravitated towards uh, typical boy toys. And in the preschool we went to, it was Reggie Amelia, very inclusive, very open. She did the same thing. And we mm-hmm. would just watch in interest how you could see the genders uh, sort of dividing. There was a lot of overlap in the play. Some kids were, were kind of more on the playing with the boys more often, some girls and some boys were, you know, sometimes playing. But, but generally speaking, the genders had certain interesting, certain things they were interested in, again, with a lot of overlap when it came to art and things like that. But, um, and then there were boys that would pick up some of the sparkly things and put them on because how come sparkles are just for girls? That was always a question I had. Um, sparkles mm-hmm. are fun um, for children. But you did see that they would, and we would marvel over um, how, wow, gosh, little boys really do like different things. They want to stop and watch the construction sites. You know, my son's little girl friends, little toddler friends wanted to organize their shoes. Again, there was some variety here, but you saw this draw towards certain activities. So not all children are born that way, though. There's a, there's a big um, spectrum of, of desires. So then you take, the, then there's the little boy that's always playing with the little girl. He's always playing dress up. He's always even more so than the kind of tomboy type of girls. He's like one of the girls. That is a real natural phenomenon. That little boy might always sort of feel that way. Um, to, Probably up to be a, to, to some, one of those famous to designers. It can be very, <laughs> yeah. And it can be very extreme where mm-hmm. he actually feels like I am a girl. What is wrong? Or it could be more lighthearted where he just is more of a feminine man. But, again, there's a huge natural spectrum there. And, um, and I, would like, I would like the caller, um, when she calls in, to really explain what that was like for her being actually born. Not, not with outside influences, being born in a rural southern place that, that, you know, more the opposite of what we're seeing today. So the opposite of yeah. these outside influences, encouraging kids What's... more. In fact, a lot of prejudice and a lot of disencouragement, yeah. alienation from family and things like that. Um, because I think people yeah. need to understand that. Yeah. I just want uh, to the word say? projection. Uh, I a bunch to say on this because I think what's happened is that, you know, kids that do things that may say, say a boy, you know, really likes, you know, women's clothing and dresses and things like that, or girls clothing and grows up to be a famous fashion designer. Uh, that doesn't mean he's gay. doesn't mean he's not gay. doesn't mean he thinks he's not a man. It doesn't mean he thinks he's a woman. <clears throat> he just might just like fashion. That might be his thing. Okay? So I think we project a lot. In other words, this is part of the industry. This is part of the, 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 the transition industry that says that if, uh, you know, if a child does one thing, then they, are there, then they identify as that way. You know, if, if a man grows up to be a famous hairstylist, does that mean he identifies as a woman if he cuts women's hair? You know, any more than a woman who cuts guys' hair identifies as a man. No, they just might like doing it. I think we project so much onto people, and it, the, the political people use it for their advantage. The, the uh, medical people who are making money off this use it to their advantage. But I think we put so much on kids that somehow, just because a kid does one thing or another at different times, my daughter, for example, I taught her to shoot, and she would, uh, you know, race me through the store looking at hair barrettes. Does that mean she was a guy when she was shooting and a, and a girl when she was doing hair barrettes? No, it means she was a kid, you know. And so we, we project all these things onto kids. Let them be kids. Let them grow up. Let them experiment. Let them do what they want. But if we've got to take the projection out of it. You, you can't, you know, leap but to transgender. You, you can't child, leap to all these have, things. Uh-huh. Right. But if, and if you, have, if you have a little girl who is very much into math, and, um, and, and doesn't seem to want to play with the other kids. And from a young age, she's mm-hmm. just, just who she is. 
you're going to allow her to be that and you're going to allow her to grow in that. And my, my feeling is that should be as untaboo as allowing a child who is born in, born into a body that doesn't reflect their gender to be allowed to be them also. There's nothing harmful for that at all. There's nothing harmful about that. There's nothing harmful. We go back 80 years and a little girl who was academic was not encouraged. She was going to be, you know, Mm -hmm. told to be this and that way and this way and that way. And, um, you know, you have Virginia Woolf, the author, for instance, like, what a great example of someone who clearly wasn't fitting into the roles that were laid out for her. And this is just another example. And, and I guess my whole point is making it political and having Starbucks and Walmart wave the transgender flag and putting it in schools in a way taught by, I'll be honest, ignorant teachers, teachers who are yeah. ignorant of actual great sex ed and are just watching CNN. This is the damage. This is what's causing problems. The medical industry corruption preying on people without informed consent. This is causing problems. Mm-hmm. So we actually agree on a lot of this. So, yeah, we've got a guest here, too. Yeah. Suing Kaiser Permanente because she can never breastfeed her children. Her, right. her, the nipple surgery they did, they botched it. She has leaking fluid. Um, uh, she cannot ever get her feminine voice back. Um, that will never happen. She's working on retransitioning, which is very difficult to do. Retransitioning is, is only partially successful at best. And, um, and so she is, she's a victim of this. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm noticing online a lot of lawyers advertising now, if you uh, underwent a botched gender transition, call us, you know. Oh, yeah, this um, is the other industry that's popped up. You know, it's, it's the industry that mm-hmm. caused the problem. It's the industry that's trying to solve it. I'm going to make our guest line live so, so we can, uh, in fact, we may run mm-hmm. a little bit long if we can just because I want to make sure. So Mr. Guest here, and that's fine. You, you can use a first name. You can call yourself whatever you want or Hi, just not identify. That's fine with me. Yeah, help us out here because I know you've been listening. So, so uh, hi there. I haven't been listening. I think Dorsey sent me um, a link, and I was listening to an old show. Um, oh, okay. So I'm catching up. I'm catching oh, up yeah. now, oh, but I have read some I am articles. so sorry. I'm, technology is not my forte. <laughs> Shoot. I was like listening, well, let, and, let, and, and I was like, oh, he's going over a long time. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, anyway, oh yeah, no, and you well, can call back other weeks too. It's just you know this this doesn't have to be our okay. last visit, so uh, you're always welcome on the show. You want to give us your name? Yeah, so my name um, and um, I am a good friend of Dorothy's, and mm-hmm. I um, am actually a transgender woman myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, I'd love to tell you like kind of you know what my take is on this. Sure, you know, um, love to hear it. You know, so with with children and you know, gender-affirming care for trans youth, youth and everything, I, I think, I think, like, it's, it's, children don't need to be going through surgeries and, you know, medical things. I think, you know, when, when children, children should just be and um, should be able to explore, you know, their, their selves and, and express themselves in any kind of way they want, whether, you know, dress, style, however, um, and as, you know, people age into adulthood, then they have the decision to, um, you know, go forth with a medical transition if that feels good to them. And for me, like, I didn't um, come out as transgender until I was 19, and I took five years before I actually started medically transitioning. I'm, um, I'll be 27 next month, um, so I've been in that for, you know, a little over two years. Okay. I'm, I'm listening. Will you, will you talk um, – I have questions, Samantha, of course, but yeah, go ahead, Dorothy. 
I would love to hear, yeah. Samantha, if you don't mind, talk about, because I feel like there's a huge confusion since this topic mm-hmm. of transgenderism has been brought to the public light so forcefully in the past few years, and, and, and in my opinion, kind of unpleasantly, um, not creating mm-hmm. unity and create, creating more divisiveness. I would love for you to share with any of Greg's listeners about what it was like for you as a child. Like, you know, I know your story, and I have a lot of experience. Right. And we know that there's a difference between, you know, deciding you're transgender to get attention or be popular or, you know, because mm-hmm. you live in New York and you want to have a fabulous I mean, who knows? And actually being right. born transgender. So if you would share a little bit about that and what your experience was like, um, that would be yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so from a very, very, very young age, um, you know, everything about me, my interests, my hobbies, my desires were very stereotypically feminine. Um, I always loved dress up and makeup and Barbies and dolls and all that, you know, all, all of the very stereotypically feminine things. Um, and, you know, all of my friends were girls, you know, whenever it was like, all right, boys on this side of the room, girls on this side of the room, like, you know, Mm -hmm. I felt very out of place Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I, you know, I was just living and I was just being myself. But as I got older, you know, you start being conditioned, say, oh, well, you can't do that. Boys can't do this. Boys don't do this, et cetera. And, you know, you kind of start to retract and get quiet and, um, mm. you know, feel very, very out of place as you grow up. And, um, uh, yeah, for a very, very, very long time, I, you know, didn't understand what was going on. You know, I knew I was different, um, but I didn't have any words to describe, you know, who I was or what I was and what was going on. I was just, you know, a kid living. And, and I was a kid that liked to wear dresses and paint my nails and, um, you know, spend time with the girls. Um and and really it didn't hit me and, and click into place in my head until I was about 19 years old. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just feeling very, very, very out of place and, um, and knowing mm-hmm. that like something was different and I felt, you know, I felt very physically uncomfortable um, and I was never allowed to express myself in ways that felt good to me. Um, and socially uncomfortable, you know, I was definitely, I, I was a very social kid, and, like, I had a lot of friends, and, you know, was, um, you know, always, always very active, but I never felt like I fit in, um, and I think, you know, I, mean, I think everyone goes through that to some degree, but, um, yeah. Everyone goes through it to some degree, but I think it can't be overemphasized, you know, how much, how difficult that is for a transgender child. It's, you know, we know a right. lot about, like, we hear a lot about growing up if you're the only black kid in the classroom or if you're, mm-hmm. you know, I had a friend in high school, went to high school in Tennessee, and I think back on this guy now and I think, oh, my God, the only Indian kid, you know, in the, yeah. in the school. Like, you know, that's hard enough. Um, yeah. But I think we can all sort of sympathize with, with, with the extre- extreme, hopefully we can all sympathize with the extreme nature of, of what you went through, and that is the typical mm-hmm. I mean, you you might have even had it better than than some. I don't know. Some people from very religious families, it's actually much worse. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait. Uh, just, know, just to tell Samantha, I was I was an only kid. I came from. I was born in Canada. You know, spent four years in Australia. Came to the United States. I was the only kid with an Australian accent. Kids had never heard of mm-hmm. one in the 1970s. I was the only kid mm-hmm. that had no knowledge of the United States, pretty much whatsoever. I was kind of like dumped here in this country. Uh, Google mm-hmm. love it, but it took a while. So I know exactly what it's like to be the only kid. So so uh, I, mm-hmm. I you know and to be uncomfortable as a youth. Oh yeah, I had the whole school tease me. 
you know, for, for being yeah. different. So I know exactly what that's like. So you're, you're definitely, uh, you know, among friends here. Uh, I got some questions, but I want, I I want to hear more about the story first. I think what that creates is that what that creates mm-hmm. when, when, when dealt with in a healthy way, what that, those kind of experiences create is added empathy as adults. So we, we actually get deeper, richer. Way. And I know it that's true for Samantha. And I know that's true for you, Greg. I know that's true for you, Greg, and it's true for Samantha. So the silver right. lining is it creates greater empathy, more compassion. We usually end up in service to others. You know, mm-hmm. there's an unhealthy thing that can happen a lot with, with trauma. But, but I think it's beautiful right. to note that both of you, even though you, you know, a lot of us who have difficult childhoods grow up and, and use those gifts. To, to reach others, and anyway, mm-hmm. I just wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what Action Radio is from. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it makes it's, us it's real not, strong survivors too. And it's, um, yeah. you know, I don't think accents were treated the, quite the same as I'll be honest. <laughs> Especially accents uh, from a, a light-skinned country were probably not treated with quite the same um, suspicion and and contempt as being transgender in the South. I'm just going to share that might be a possibility. That it might not be no, I'll tell you, the, you know, the both that, the white kids yeah. and the black kids had no use for me when I got to New England. I'm telling you, it, it was I, I got mutual, I got discriminated against by everybody, <laughs> maybe for different reasons, but uh, no, it basically it was yeah, there was there was not much difference um, between the white kids and the black kids as far as I was concerned. I was just different, and so it didn't matter. Skin color had no had no was not a basis of of, of my discrimination at all. Which is unusual. Americans mm-hmm. don't understand that. Yeah. So we'll talk about that another time. I want to, I want to talk more to Samantha. Um, can I ask you a yeah. question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Because uh, Dorothy's mentioned this a lot about being born transgender, and I'm still not clear on what that is. Because uh, I still have okay. this mental, physical, is it a mind issue? Is it a body issue? Is it both? So let's get, let's get a definition mm-hmm. here. So, so, mm-hmm. so tell me, what, what is it to you being born transgender, please? Um. You know, it, it, this is a really interesting question because it, it is hard to say, and you know, it, it does make mm-hmm. you wonder. Okay, is it a is it a matter of environment? Is it a matter of, you know, your genetic makeup, biology, et cetera? And I think it, you know, it kind of is a mix of things. I think, you know, um, I always, you know, was who I was from from birth, and mm-hmm. um, and I had the interests that I had interests in, and I felt certain ways about my body, and I think. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different variations of, um, you know, chromosomes and et cetera. And I don't, you know, I don't know what my genetic makeup is and everything, but Mm -hmm. I know in my heart and in my soul and in my mind that I have extremely feminine energy and always have ever since I was extremely little. And Mm -hmm. as I've gotten older, especially, you know, as you go through puberty and everything, I felt very, very, very disconnected with my body. Um, and, so and do, do you feel masculine energy now? A, is it masculine oh, energy now? Okay. Do I have masculine energy now? No. No. So uh, where's the transition? I can say definitively she does not. I would so say is probably the so most naturally feminine energy person I know. So where are you transitioning from to where are you transitioning to? What do you mean by that? Like what, Samantha was born with a typical boy's body. Right. Samantha oh, okay. I had this backwards. Male. I'm sorry. Male. And probably okay. chromosomally male. <laughs> okay. Yes. So what we call so, biologically male. Yeah, I was male. born male. Okay. Yes, born with a typical male body. But right. from a very young age, I have always had very feminine energy and felt okay. more at home with the girls. And, I apologize. Um, as I've I had gotten older. I, I no, you you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Female hey, transition to, to okay. I gotcha. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
also I have, you know, taken hormones, taken estrogen mm-hmm. hormone replacement therapy to mm-hmm. transition into society and into myself and everything as feminine, mm-hmm. female. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's been some studies with MRIs of the brain that shows, you know, um, characteristics brain characteristics of transgender um, showing more closely related to the gender they identify with than the physical um, sex characteristics they were born with. So there's, there's been quite a few studies that have shown that there are brain, actual brain differences um, and that may be genetic, genetic changes happening. Well, see, that's really how this works. If, if you're born with a biologically male body, um, there's certain, I guess there's hormones that go along with that, obviously, testosterone. There's other things that go along with that. Um, but why would that necessitate a, a change if you feel differently? In other words, is there anything that you couldn't do in a male body that you can do in a female body uh, in terms of image and activities and feelings and things like that? I'm just, I'm just curious because there are, especially these days, you know, when, uh, you know, the, the, the sex roles have, uh, have kind of opened up a whole bunch and thank God they did. Otherwise people would be really miserable. But, uh, what, mm-hmm. what was there? Why? So why the need to make a physical change? Was there something that you couldn't do, couldn't feel or, or whatever in the body that you started with? This is what I'm curious about. If, you, yeah. if I'm asking a question that's a, that you don't like, just let me know. I'm just, but I'm very blunt. Yeah, no, you're, um, you're fine. I'm, I'm an open book okay, and good. I'm happy to talk about. Okay, um, good. This kind I appreciate of stuff that. And- Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for me, it's just, it's always been a major disconnect. And um, okay. you know, I, I just never felt at home in my body. You know, I have this, this head and this heart and this soul that is so feminine. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you look at the body and it just, it does not align. And it, um, it has interfered with my ability to, you know, have complex, deep relationships. I'm, you know, I'm attracted to men and I've always, you know, felt feminine and, and receptive, you know, when, when it comes to sexuality and, mm-hmm. And there's such a detachment there. Um, there's always a detachment, um, you know, in the clothes that I've had to wear um, mm-hmm. and just the way I feel in my skin. And as I've progressed through my transition, I feel so much more at home and feel so much more authentically myself and comfortable. And, you know, the way people perceive me is huge. And that's a big part of transition, too, is, okay. is social perception. Um mm-hmm. You know, people, you know, people used to not treat me in a way that felt right. And now, mm-hmm. you know, I exist in society very comfortably. Um, and I want to say this. This is very interesting because this makes this a point pop up in my head. So, you know, I work with women and discover, rediscovering feminine, those feminine energy. When I meet a woman who wears sweats most of the day and puts her hair up and doesn't wear any makeup, that's fine. But I will tell you, when that woman is encouraged to find self-care practices, and begin to um, go into her feminine a little more, maybe wear some dresses, fix her hair, there's a radical change that occurs in her self-esteem and the way others perceive mm-hmm. her, treat her, the way she treats herself. A lot of, when people don't present in the world the way that feels amazing to them, it, it's very, you know, debilitating. And um, so I, I, I feel like when Samantha's saying that the way people uh, interacted with her and treated her, just didn't feel authentic. I, I can really feel that. So thank you for for that. I just I think that's hmm. powerful messaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I got a question. Um, yeah, was was living a life as a gay man, for example, attracted to men? Was that an option, or did you think about that? So so when I was in high school, um, 
I, you know, got to a point where I was like, okay, I am male. I'm attracted to men. Okay, I must be gay. And that's, you know, I came out as a gay man. I never felt comfortable with it, though. It never hmm. felt right. Because at that time, you know, I didn't have the terms or, you know, or understanding of what it meant to be transgender and what that was like. So that's very that different was. than these kids. That, yeah. That's a very different experience than these kids. And that's, that's what I think makes your story so it powerful and, and legit and clean because you didn't have that kind of language that the kids are having now. Okay. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I said, okay, well, I must be gay. I will come out as that. And But it never felt right to me. And, you know, and I would interact with other well, I don't even want to say other gay men, but when I would interact with gay men and any kind of, you know, romantic sexual things, I felt very uncomfortable. I felt very out of place. I felt kind of disgusted in the way that they would talk to me because it just did not feel right. Um, I hated it. I hated it. Um, okay. Never, really never liked saying it. Yeah. yeah. You were disgusted uh, like, like my straight white male redneck friends. That's so funny to me, right? Like that's that, that feeling. You were like, "Ooh, that's so cute." Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, the reason the reason yeah. is I'm, I'm curious about this. Um, I spent 30 years in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, so mm-hmm. I, it's not a cliche to say that some of my best friends were gay. In fact, a lot of them were, just because I, you know, yeah. I was in the Haight Ashbury, lived near the Castro, and so uh, yeah. Plus, I was a, I was a tour guide for several years, and there's a lot of uh, gay folks and and uh, you know in, in the in the mm-hmm. in the tour industry. Uh, tour travel, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was fascinating because we used to have chats. And, of course, you learn a lot of things. You learn that a lot of gay folks don't, you know, favor gay marriage per se. Uh, there's a lot of stereotypes yeah. that, just, that just fall down. And once you, you know, you're open to all that. But this is why I'm curious. Uh, this is, and I've, mm-hmm. I've talked to, uh, I remember one discussion I had with, uh, this is back in my 20s, actually back in Boston, talking to a guy I worked with who was gay. And we're trying to decide when we were attracted, when we discovered who we were attracted to. He was, he was discovered he was attracted to, to uh, men about the same time I decided I was attracted to women, you know, early puberty. Of course, I was at a five-year-old mm-hmm. crush, too, on, on, on a girl, but that was, that's another story. But the thing is, as, yeah. as, to Dorothy's point, I've always known I was a guy. I've always been, you know, thought of myself as a guy. I never really thought of anything different. In fact, it was such a non-issue for me. I did whatever I did, whether it was music or flying or stuff. I never, I never liked sports, but I never considered the fact that I didn't like sports a non-male thing that never occurred to me. Right. This is why I'm so curious about you, about the ideas of, mm-hmm. of uh, you know, was being a gay male an option? Uh, was, you know, were there other lifestyles? In other words, what got to the point where it, it was it, this necessitated a physical change in you what was it that you either couldn't do didn't want to do or didn't have uh, or just didn't feel right about and you've already started explaining this so i'm kind of going over ground here but there's the, yeah this is what i'm trying to understand i'm trying to understand how you get from you know i want to do stuff that might be feminine to i want to be a woman this is this is where i'm, I'm curious yeah 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 absolutely. i don't know and there, there, there's there's a, a, hold on dorothy yeah. Hold on, Dorothy. I want to yeah, hear you. Yes. Okay, that's, <laughs> Hold yeah, on, Dorothy. Go ahead. Yeah, that was an inter- interesting question. <laughs> go ahead, Samantha. Yeah. No, there is there is a difference because there are plenty of, you know, men in this world that, you know, are like, yeah, I like to dress feminine. I like to wear makeup. I like to, you know, whatever, stereotypically mm-hmm. feminine things. And they, they feel fine with that. For mm-hmm. me, there is such a disconnect with my body and, and mm-hmm. the parts that I was born with that I had to say, I can't exist in the world and feel comfortable in the way people treated me. Nothing felt okay. I knew in my heart that I was a woman. And therefore, I needed to undergo transition in order to get to where I am today. Okay. And, and I took a long, 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 long time processing that. Um, you know, I came, out, I came out at 19. 
And I was like, okay, well, like, what does this mean for me? What is it like? And then, okay, like, can you live in your body the way you are? Mm-hmm. Mm, and, you know, de- toyed with that for a very long time. And, and as time progressed, I was like, no, like, you are a woman through and through. And, and this is who you are. And um, so five years later, you know, I started socially transitioning. I really took my time. I was like, okay, well, let me, let me just start dressing more femininely. Let me start, you know, wearing makeup. Let me start wearing wigs. Let me, you know, all, all of that. Let me start growing my hair out. Mm-hmm. Um, let me start, you know, spending time with my friends in this way. Um, letting them refer to me as she and her. And, um, and then, you know, the name came and all, all, all of that. And, it got to a point where, you know, I was living my life every single day that way, and I felt so much more at home. Um, and and then as I've gotten older, I was like, okay, there's such a disconnect with my body that I can't, I can't form close relationships. Like, I, I'm a very sensual, sexual person, but I hate sex because I, I hate the way, the roles that I play and, the, and what's happening mm-hmm. with my body and how I feel. It felt, it felt terrible. And... Um, and I couldn't do it anymore. So, um, yeah. and it's interesting too, another interesting point, once I actually started taking hormones and took that step, I felt so much better. And, and you know, this has been a process over the last couple of years, but I felt so much better um, and felt so much more happy in my skin and, you know, in, in the way I existed in the world and I'm, I'm, you know, living my life and I'm happy. But in some ways my dysphoria increased because I felt so much more at home in a lot of ways, but then then you have the anomaly that feels so mm-hmm. much more out of place. Yeah, so the physicality, really nice. yeah, is now mm-hmm. even more not a mm-hmm. fit. Mm-hmm. Because surgery I'm so isn't connected for everyone. In so many other ways. It's I not. mean, your experience, I think, is very purely the typical transgender from birth experience or from from actually gestation. I think yours is Absolutely. very. But but I always love to acknowledge that not everyone has that. Not everyone is so solid and clear. So if we think of it as a spectrum, like a bell curve, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, most people are not on one end or the other of anything. So, so your experience is very um, clear, but there are people mm-hmm. that, that, will, that don't, don't feel the need for surgery so much that they're like, you know, it's okay. And that's why we have the spectrum, I think. But, right, um, right. But you explained it beautifully. I've never met transition. someone. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think I, call here. I, want to, I want to bring on. Mm-hmm. I want to bring in one of our regular Sorry. callers here, but to, just a caution, just because uh, uh, Josie has strong opinions as I do, <laughs> and then I want to, okay. to say, look, okay. we have a guest. I want I want my guest treated as a guest, uh, and uh, with with all due respect there. So let me just with that caution, which I probably didn't need to say, but just in case, let's bring on Josie here okay. with uh, Samantha and uh, Dorothy. Josie, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, uh, Samantha. I know you're yes. a mature person to make decisions, which is okay for you to make your own decisions, but what is your opinion on teachers and radical left uh, communists uh, in our country uh, mutilating the gender of innocent little kids like 11, 12 years old? What is your opinion on that? So personally, I don't believe that children should be undergoing any kind of surgery or anything of that sort. I think children that feel, you know, that they are transgender should have the option to explore themselves and transition socially um, Mm -hmm. in in their self-expression and and the way that they, you know, identify and and have people refer to them. 
And if, you know, as time progresses and they get older to like a more adult age, they can then make the choices to, you know, undergo medical transition if that feels at home to them. I'm I'm glad you answered that because you know what? My niece, she's a bisexual. I think she's just playing a game. She's confused for now. Um, But she disagreed also because innocent kids, I mean, they don't know. They haven't developed. They they haven't been through, like, they're not 18. They don't know the feelings and all the stuff. So I'm glad you answered it like that, and uh, thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We actually covered that a little earlier, but so that's okay. And I think that's, that is so important uh, because, you know, Samantha, you sound like you don't have any regrets. You sound like you took your time. You sound like uh, that you made a, a decision uh, you had informed consent. Uh, we're gonna, I'd like to run a few minutes over time, if that's okay with you guys. Um, but it, it just so for you, it makes perfect sense. Okay, so I, you know, mm-hmm. I would never want to be in a position to tell you what to do. I think what you've done, you know, makes perfect sense for you. Great, go for it. However, my mm-hmm. problem is, is Dose Josie's problem. I think most of us have the problem that the kids who are transitioning in life anyway, because being a child is a transition you know, from child to teenager mm-hmm. to adult, that is the one time when you don't want to make a permanent change when kids are transitioning anyway. So we're all watching out for the kids. Um, but I think I'd love to have you back on and I'd love to talk more about this. Yeah, because, I would love to talk. Oh, good. Okay. Cause you, you, yeah. So I'm glad you got a chance to listen to, to please, you know, please how we do come back because I have more questions, but I know. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> I, well, do we have time for her questions? I think. Yeah, that, we do. Um, I do. We have uh, for, for Josie Dorothy to ask has if to go she has a couple so more for Sam. Yeah. I, th- I feel like her questions yeah. are. I'm okay. I'm okay today to go over, but I feel like Josie's questions are probably reflective of the kind-hearted, compassionate yet confused public that's being presented with what's happening in the schools. And Samantha feels the same way. I don't feel. I. I from my talks with Samantha, she is a little bit just as horrified as the rest of us, and it's causing divisiveness and against transgenders even more. It's, I feel like it's causing more hate what the political system is, is doing and the medical industry right now. And it's confusing people who don't get to talk to people like Samantha, who are pure and lovely and um, just living their life in the best way and are really transgender. Now the public is now confused about what it even means to be transgender. Well, right? people get unconfused. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, Josie has mm-hmm. some questions too, so I want, to, I want to get to those, but uh, well, I have time if you guys um, have time. So Josie? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. My, my, Right now, this is not a question. My opinion as a Christian missionary woman is God is not a confused God. God makes us mm-hmm. perfect, okay? So to me, mm-hmm. as a Christian woman, why would he make you, for you to be confused, that when the doctor slapped you in the little cheek when you were born, he said, <laughs> you're a male. And uh, I have a lot of friends that their children are gay. And uh, mm-hmm. one of my best friends, she baby her little boy like a little girl, uh, and uh, he he's gay, but he's been hiding it still. And uh, mm-hmm. he's marrying this young girl that they look like boys and flat, no boobs at all. And uh, and they, it's a very rich family. He's a TV producer in New York City. Uh, and no I know names, please. Gay. I know. Who give the names I mean, out? So <laughs> they've been hiding. And when I was a child, I a lot of gay. Uh, men, they would get married and have kids, and they're hiding it behind the scene. Uh, but now, I have a feeling, and and I, I want your opinion also. 
do you think the vaccine, and I know you guys were talking about the vaccine, if they can try to kill us with the vaccines for more than 40 years, like Dr. Judy Mikovic says, they've mm-hmm, been spiking mm-hmm. the vaccines to get autism, uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, uh, cancer, death syndrome, and all that. Do you think they have put something in the vaccines to have so many people now coming that they're gay? Do you know about it? I- you know, I don't know. I personally am not vaccinated, um, and um, no, I don't. Child's vaccine, children's vaccine, sweetie. Children's vaccine. Uh, I'm not talking about vaccine right now. When you were did you get childhood you know, vaccine? Way back. I guess. Did you even get vaccines at all, Samantha? As a child, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, the, you were... I guess like the basic ones that were like required for like school mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I did too. Yeah. No, I don't know. I think that you, I don't think, the, they have increased them so much in the past. I mean, now we're at 72. This is this is one of the issues. Not. I think that you and I, you know, we had more, uh, a lot less. And mm-hmm. I think you don't fall in the category of somebody who was uh, transgender because mm-hmm. of vaccine. But it's still a great question yeah. because there's a lot of evidence. It that is. Those asking, there's a lot of evidence mm-hmm. that, uh these hyper-vaccinated kids that are also autistic and neuro have the, have the gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. But um, go ahead mm-hmm. if you wanted to address anything she asked. Um, well, I guess I think the question might have been like a little, well, are we maybe starting at like the, <laughs> the question with God and, you know, his creation? Well, let's take one part why of the time. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 What's your so first part, Josie? I'm actually a Christian myself. Um, I uh, go to church. I believe in God. Um, and I, feel that God created me to be this mm-hmm. person who, um, you know, who, who connects with her femininity and, and shares light to other people and, and opens their eyes to um, something mm-hmm. bigger in the world. And actually the, the deeper I dove into my transition, the more connected to God and my purpose and the reason I'm on this earth, I feel, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is, and, and it's it's that's controversial in itself. I mean, I know that you know a lot of people in the church don't believe that you know people like me are you know supposed to be here and that that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I know. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that they think that you're not supposed to be here, sweetie, because uh, we love you as human. Uh, I mm-hmm. love my niece. She almost hung up mm-hmm. on the phone with me, upset. She said, "Oh, you don't want for me to be gay and all that." I said, "Look, I love you because God created you." But I don't mm-hmm. love the lifestyle you're living right now. Yeah, And I yeah. disagree on that because you're born a female or a male, period. Mm-hmm. Because if, if God was confused, he will make everybody uh, a man, and then they want to be women, and they cannot produce. They cannot have babies in the earth. You just have to but logically that's, think that's, that's thinking cap. Mm-hmm. You know? That's not accurate that, you, that people are born. I, I wish that was – that's actually not accurate – from whatever religious viewpoint you have or don't have, people are not just born male or female. It's much more complicated than they that. Are. There's people, people, that's, there are people creation. who are born with XY chromosomes that look like a mm-hmm. female on the outside. That is a very real phenomenon. It's been around forever. There's a reason it happens. It happens genetically inside the womb. There's a lot of triggers mm-hmm. that create the female genital to then transition in the womb, in the uterus, into mm-hmm. the male presentation. So that doesn't happen sometimes. And that's just one of many examples. There, that is a myth that people are born 100% male and female. You can have all kinds of chromosomal differences and phenotypical differences. That's real. So 
I do believe what Sam says, and I've explored this from a spiritual phenomenon for a long time, a spiritual perspective. God creates us all perfectly perfect. And Sam is one example of that, Samantha. And maybe she's here to heal us during this time of division, what the political is doing right now, as you said, jo- Josie, this with the really confusing children and mutilating children. And Samantha is a yeah. light to show us what's true and pure versus what is a lie. So, so God mm-hmm. uses people in many different ways. And I believe that I believe I agree with her. I believe that she is here as a light right now to help lead us towards more uh, acceptance of the, of the beautiful variety that God created on this earth. To say we have this variety of a million different types of flowers, but humans have to fit into a box A and B, this just doesn't feel right to me at all either. And uh, I love that we're bringing it into mm-hmm. spirituality. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, well, Dorothy. Yeah, you, you worded that perfectly for me. Thank you. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it all sounds good, and I hope you're correct, and I hope I'm wrong, but I know my Bible. I know my God. And hopefully, eventually, everything will be released about the corruption that has been going on for 50, 60 years uh, behind the scenes with the vaccines with mm-hmm. our government. And if, if they can put all these bioweapon chemicals inside this vaccine to do all kinds of things and manipulate you from your cell phone with the vaccines to the point to death right now, which you see it on some of the videos, I wouldn't be surprised if they've been tampering with the child's vaccines way back because when I, I'm, I'm 64 and I remember there was like four or five vaccines. I was 72, like you said earlier, mm-hmm, and something's mm-hmm. going on. And uh, the truth will come out soon. So God You're bless right. you guys. Uh, and I hope you come back so we can talk a little more. Uh, I like a lot of questions. I ask questions to some of my uh, gay customers, they come in, I'm open and, and ask questions, and they feel comfortable, and I'm not afraid to ask questions at all. It's beautiful. It's and, beautiful. Uh, we I, have I to like have how you answer. So. Yeah, oh, thank yeah. you. So God bless you, and uh, and uh, I'll, I'll be praying for you. I got to go. Thank you. Right you. Now. <laughs> God bless you. Bye-bye, Greg. Bye. Bye now. Yeah, Jessie's amazing. I'm, she's the person I've known the longest. Mm-hmm. Goes back to my uh, WEBY mm-hmm. radio days. <clears throat> so it's like well, I think six, seven years now. Um, Jessie's reports tomorrow. She does the Latino report covering Central and South America and uh, Ukraine, Cuba, things like that. Where you know, and she has been a missionary to most of those countries. So Jessie's pretty incredible. Um, but she's strong it's really opinion. Kind of a shame. <laughs> like a lot I, of us, I find yeah. It a little bit of a shame because uh-huh. the dogmatic religion. I mean, there's so many beautiful things in the Christian Bible. But Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of us are realizing that religion has been very corrupted. Oh, we have a report for that, too, by the way. We have uh, Wendy Arthur, who does the Oh My God report. mm -hmm. No, seriously. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) She's coming from a perspective which Mm -hmm. is traditional and dogmatic and exclusive and doesn't leave room for curiosity. And Although she seems to have curiosity um, you know, she's blocked because of the messaging she was given that is not about, wow, you know, to, to constantly rediscovering who is God? What, is, what, it, what are we here for? Um, how does God mm-hmm. use unique people um, to, to bring healing to the world? And, you know, she still is clinging to some of these older views. And again, um, you know, her niece being gay could be having this thing where she's so sick of of sexism and she's so been so immersed in, in toxic femininity in school that she's, you know, 
she's sort of experimenting with, she may not really be gay. I mean, who knows? And I think that Josie has keyed into that these influences are coming from the external and it's sometimes not who the person really is. And it can be really damaging. So it'd be wonderful yeah. if we could um, I, clear I all these internal messages away and let people just see themselves. Hmm? Yeah, I need to disagree with you. I think your view of Christianity uh, is very limited and, and, and almost very stereotypical that someone who is a, a, you know, proclaims to be a devout Christian, a believer in God, and that even said that you know, she loves you know, Samantha for who she is, but still wants to uh, you know, uh, try and influence her with what, uh, what Josie believes. We all got to start talking to each other, okay? Because everybody thinks the other person is, is limited in their viewpoint and that's just simply not true but we do have questions and we do have convictions mm-hmm. and i think that uh, i think you're selling josie sharp a little bit there uh no okay. she's lovely you know. i didn't mean to but but the, but the end okay I'll, just I'll want to make sure i'll pray for you i'll pray for you is something and and again i'm i'm kind of christian myself but okay. i just but I, most of I, us I don't on the show are that it's, samantha but yeah. just sort of yeah. um well okay well, just just a, i'll pray for you just sort of you know i think um, that's condescending it has been traditionally been said by my Christian friends when they mm-hmm. disagree and think you're going to hell to say, I'll pray for you. Oh. Not that Josie meant that, but, um, no, I, I've heard that. I know what you, I know exactly you know, what you're talking about. Yeah. But I don't, but I think that uh, it's, it's, and this is why we have to talk about this kind of stuff. The reason I mentioned Wendy is because we do have an, Oh my God report. I mean, I'm, I'm that's, that's, it's a joke, but it's not a joke. Uh, and so what we talked about is the difference between scripture and religion, the difference between, you know, dogmatic, uh, really abusive, you know, pastors, priests, uh, folks like that, and what's actually, you know, what was written in, in the original Hebrew and Greek. So that would be probably, a, Samantha, you're always welcome to join any of our shows, any of our reports. They're all different. They're all interesting. We have some fascinating people on the show. Uh, we were doing politics, you know, the hour before you got on. Um, and so there's, 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 a, there's a lot of change here. But I think that, you know, we don't want to sell anybody else short. Uh, I still have my convictions, my beliefs, but I think where we have the common ground, which is, which is good, is we want to leave the kids alone. We don't want to do anything permanent to the mm-hmm. kids, but we want to give adults the freedom to choose for themselves, which makes sense. But I think the, the, the real healthy skepticism we have is regarding the medical industry. In other words, how did Absolutely. you know that you, you got good medical treatment? Can mm-hmm. you trust the, the doctors and nurses and, <clears throat> and psychiatrists and everybody associated with, with the medical profession, the insurance companies, you know, all these folks to do the best for you? as opposed to the best for them. Yeah. Now, I, I see the, the, the COVID shot as a multi-billion dollar fascist corporate government racket. That's just my opinion, but a lot of people share it. Okay. So I wouldn't go anywhere near those things and I never have and never will. Um, but on the other mm-hmm. hand, there's a lot of people that get a lot of really good help from, you know, from pharmaceuticals and from surgery. I went through open heart surgery, had a mitral valve trim, you know, have a nice little fit now. Mm-hmm. My heart's working great. Okay. So I'm not against medicine. <laughs> I'm not against surgery. I'm against inappropriate or for profit at the expense of people. And so I think what, what all of us really object to is any time that we're getting, that people are calling things transgender, especially for kids, or they're talking about gender affirming care, which is really, you know, in many cases, permanently disfiguring, destructive folks, you know, destroying folks like, like Chloe uh, Cole, who we've talked about earlier. Uh, and that's where the problem right. is. Okay, so we want to separate yeah. people that are making a conscious choice that are doing it for themselves, that, are, that have been through a long process, like you, I'm talking about you, that have been through, mm-hmm. you know, decent medical treatment, you've got good folks working with you and helping with you, and you're happy with the result. Okay, that's like the best possible outcome here. What, right. what, what I'm worried, what I'm worried really? about. Really? 
it is. is is not the best possible outcome. And how do we how do we mm-hmm. take the profit out? In other words, it'd be like a, a chiropractor that sees you three times a week when you only have to go once every six months. Okay, um, or somebody that gives you you know drug therapy that stuff you don't need, or you have to take all these pills because it makes me rich. Any of those abuses are the problem. And so so what we need to identify is the abuses in transgender folks that aren't transgender uh, that are being told they are and, and saying this surgery will make you happy. So last yeah. question, <laughs> and then I want to get you back. How did you know ahead of time that the physical changes you had to make were going to make you happy? Well, a lot of, a lot of therapy. Um, and I found, I did a lot of research and found, you know, a therapist that I felt very connected to. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think anybody that goes and sees a therapist, you know, it's always a matter of, okay, is this therapist a good fit for me, regardless mm-hmm. of what the issue is. But, right. um, you know, found somebody that I felt very called to, connected to, and um, worked with her, and she was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and just a lot of reflection and, and, and understanding of, of my body and, and my relationship to my body at the state that it was in and, and how I felt and, and where, you know, what steps I felt I needed to take to, to get comfortable, to get happy. And so found the right therapist, found the right doctors. And, um, and, and taking everything a step at a time, I think, is so, 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 so important. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's easy to get caught up and say, okay, I want everything right here, right now. But it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And, and I have well, to all change. take And it's my, permanent. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, yeah. So you want to make sure you, yeah. So is there like this, here I go again. <laughs> one, more, one more last question. <laughs> uh, is there like, a, like a, a medical, ethical, transgender checklist that it should take, you know, you can't be exact for everybody, but it should take a number of years. Mm-hmm. There are a number of steps you mm-hmm. have to go through. Therapies included. Yes. Um, you know, yes. transitioning, do it, model your first as, as the sex that you want to be. Uh, you know, make sure this is the right thing to do. I, I don't know if it's like family, friend, you know, let all, everybody know that you want to do this. But so so mm-hmm. I guess we, we should probably just outline what, what are the basic steps if someone wants to do this, what's, uh, what's involved so the people know that this is not an easy process nor a quick process. Mm-hmm. If it's done properly, right. it's actually extremely involved. It's a life-changing, very involved process. So what's, what's the ethical, what's the, the, how do you do this properly? Yeah, so there actually is an, an organization called uh, WPATH, um, and I can't remember what that stands for, but essentially they, you know, outline what, you know, what it looks like, how long you're supposed to be at this step and this step and this step. And um, okay. so, you know, it starts out, you know, you have to have therapy for so long. You have to identify and live your life consistently as the gender you identify with um, mm-hmm. for, I believe, a year. Um, mm-hmm. And then at that point, you um, – undergo hormone replacement therapy and um in order to um i believe it's a year for top surgery um a year of hormone replacement ther- therapy before you can uh get top surgery and then a two years of hormone replacement therapy before you can um look at uh bottom surgery or sex reassignment surgery whatever you want to call it um and so you have to do that for two years before a doctor will even meet with you. This is so different than the, these gender clinics. In this these country. Kids are going in and, and it's, it's, everything's changing. They're changing kids so fast. That's the industrial part that I subject to. Okay, this makes sense. Well, we, need to I, we, we, we need to talk a lot more. Greg, um, Greg Biden tried to mandate uh, a few years ago, I believe, I remember Biden tried to mandate that doctors must perform. Uh, transgender reassignment surgery when a patient requested it. Did you do you remember this? And uh, I don't. I think 
2017. Yeah. the question. Yeah. Because well, you can't mandate that. I, Samantha, other wow. countries, can you travel to other countries and, and get away with some of the, um, like, kind of shorten the uh, you can. time? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Denmark yeah. is very, you know, yeah. A lot of laws are, yeah, you know, it does depend. And people do, you know, people do travel, and it's cheaper in other countries um, for certain surgeries and, and things. Um, so people, you know, take that route. Um, but, yeah, I think you can bypass certain things by traveling for sure. Hmm. Um, we, should, we should go in detail over the stages. I think it would be fascinating too. we have questions along the way. We should go for now. Yeah, yeah. And we should pick this up another okay. time. Uh, I want to give both of you a chance to, to, to give a, a final statement and any groups you want to mention, any communication, any websites, emails, um, Facebook pages, anything you want to talk about. Let's, let's do that, and then we'll pick up. Samantha, thank you so much. I'm so glad you came on the show. Yeah, really thank you it. for having me. No, no problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I trust Wonderful. Dorothy's judgment, I guess. <laughs> Such a good voice. Such a good voice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Samantha could really come on quite a bit. I think she really helps with the unity on this hot topic. She's mm-hmm. a, a really good voice for this. And we can talk about other um, things too, Samantha. We don't want to completely submerge you. Uh-huh. We, I, I know yeah, you have other yeah, things yeah. on I, top. I am a whole so, person outside of my yeah, transgender identity. Exactly. <laughs> and, that, and actually, that's a topic and that's, too. And that's, that's yeah, like, that's, you know, you know yeah. that's something. Okay. Um, you know, like, you know, when people meet me in the world, like, I don't want that to be the first thing that, you know, everyone thinks mm-hmm. of and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, puts, puts on me because there's so much more to me than that. And that's just a part of who I am. Um, yeah. And it's something that I've, you know, taken a very, very long time and amount of consideration and, and handled and processed in a very healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's, it's allowed me to... Um, you know, live a life that is very fruitful and very exciting and very fulfilling and very happy. Um, so, yeah, I'm just grateful. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, that's perfect. Let's let's yeah. do our, our, our closing bit and any, like I say, websites, communications, things like that. And we'll pick it up again tomorrow with our, our with Brianna Cannon with the Government Inquiry Report and the Josie's Report uh, in the second hour. And in the third hour, I have no idea yet. <laughs> I haven't figured it out, but who knows? Probably a history of uh, as we approach the 30th anniversary of Waco. I'll be talking about that a lot in the next uh, until April 19th. Dorothy, it's my birthday. Right, oh. April 19th, Patriots Day. Oh, well, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Also, that, okay. that day has a very interesting history. If you ever look up, a, I'm sure you have, but the history of April 19th. Uh, everywhere from the Warsaw no, Ghetto to uh, to Waco to uh, uh, the day that the Battle of uh, Lexington Concord started. You know, one of my land, two of my feet, all that kind of stuff. Captain John Parker on the Battle oh. Green, Lexington, uh, said, don't, uh, says, uh, what's it, don't, how is it, I forgot, what you, I used to live in Lexington Zoo, I should know this. Don't fire unless fired upon, but if they mean to start a war, let it begin here. That's what he said before the British mm-hmm. opened up. Mm-hmm. April 19th, it's a very important day, yeah, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Okay, we'll, <laughs> well talk about that next time, that too. now. Yep. <laughs> See the things you learn on this show? We, we we don't cover any one subject. We're all over the place. It's in my ADHD <laughs> brain, you know. But uh, like I say, AD, Action Radio is powered between God and ADHD. <laughs> That's what makes everything Love work it. around here. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, it um, seems so, to work. It seems to work. So my contact, Dorothy Diana. I'm on Facebook. You can find me quite easily. It's a whole bio of sexual, sensual health, and nursing and detox. And my website is yoniyun.com, Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N.com. And Samantha and I will probably, I've been teaching sensual movement for uh, somatic healing, exotic dance for women to have fun and ignite their feminine. I do some coaching. 
And uh, Samantha and I will probably start working together soon because she seems to be drawn down the pathway also of helping uh, women of all kinds uh, dive deep into their feminine joy. Mm-hmm. Samantha, yeah. I might have to get you your own report here. This might be interesting. <laughs> Wouldn't it? <laughs> hey, listen, yeah, I'm always open. This is all, all we're about is okay. possibilities. Let's think about that, yeah. And now the Action Radio okay, Transgender Report. That would be great. You have a huge following. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I love hey, it. Listen. I love it. I love it. That's why I thought of it. You know. So, Samantha, do you have any uh, information? Or oh, you're just like the mystery person, so we don't want to give away more than uh, you want to give away. But, yeah, you know, who knows? As you get more comfortable with the show. I'm Samantha you. Jordan. You can find me through Dorothy. <laughs> that was easy. Now that we've done that, now yeah. we know who you are. Okay, fine. All right. Thank you, yeah. Samantha. Thank you, Dorothy. Um, I'm back tomorrow. You guys take care. i got to play a couple of things and then uh, close up for today, and we'll pick it up tomorrow. Okay, All right. Take care. So All right. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. By now. So Greg Pengles here, Action Radio, the, the site you're listening to, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash Citizen Action. Works for live shows, works for podcasts, uh, works even before I broadcast the show when I, when I create the episodes. Our latest set of site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. Uh, if you want to contribute, we have givesendgo.com slash Action Radio. Uh, I think that's about it. <laughs> Let me just play a couple more things for you guys. Uh, and then our musical selection for today and then back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time, uh, with Brianna and then Josie. And then the third hour, like I say, I haven't quite gotten that far yet, but it's going to be something. Is there anything on the calendar? Nah, not yet. We'll see. Talk to you tomorrow. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at strikeforceenergy.com. That's strikeforceenergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. 
My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at mypillow.com slash WYL. That's mypillow.com slash WYL. Or order now by calling 1 800 544 8939. That's 1 800 544 8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. This is Greg Penglis. So, what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. <laughs> 